Options back, previewing NFL, college football, random life shit. We got a whole bunch of stuff to get into today. Trades, releases, and an awesome slate of games this weekend. And there's no one else who I like to do it more with and run through it all than my boys, Brian San Vito and Scotty Miller. And uh, Vito, this is your, we just said it, this is your flu game, man. Yeah. We just said it before we started recording. My man had food poisoning this morning yeah. and yet he's still committed he's still committed worked all day even had to work later than he thought and he said boys i'm not gonna be able to the pod unless you move it back and we said we will move it back just for you not knowing that you had food poisoning and yet here you are leading us up to thursday night football legend absolute legend uh how are you holding up no i'm good thanks for uh thanks for being flexible with me i i i think it's important when you when you're like you know you have a bad day or like you're feeling sick or whatever. Like Jeff asked me how I'm feeling. I was like, yeah, great. Good. You know, let's keep it going. And like, you always have a residual effect, right? There's still something that's like wrong and off until you like get up a full night's sleep in the next day. But like, you just got to push through and, and be positive. And I feel like half the time that, that that's more important than if you're actually sick or not. It's the mind over matter that, that like Jordan had in the flu game. But mine's instead of like an aggressive dominance, like competitiveness, mine's like happy and joyous that football is here this weekend. So, well, he also had food poisoning, allegedly. Yes. That, that yeah. was the story, you know. The, that, pizza. the yeah. last dance when they like actually got into that. That was really cool. Whoever orders shrimp pizza in uh, Utah probably deserves whatever's coming to him. Uh, Scotty, speaking of full full stomachs and meals, Scotty's also in a bit of a flu game because he just ate a bunch of food. and is, He's a little lethargic. Yeah. Yeah, I'm feeling the fourth quarter scaries there. I just, ah, uh, <laughs> oh, man, I'm full. <laughs> gonna gonna need you to to shake off the uh, what what's the uh, the the thing from Turkey that that makes everyone tired on tryptophan. Tryptophan, yeah, I need you to power through the tryptophan and yeah. uh, and get going. But like I said, great weekend of NFL games, killer Sunday night game. We have an awesome Thursday night game tonight. We're gonna go through each game. We're going to pick our go our picks against the spread. I'll update everybody on where we stand after Monday night football. And that's where I want to start today before we get into some of the NFL news and notes. The Monday night football game. I don't know about how you guys felt watching that, but A, I'm in love with Justin Herbert. I, I think he might be my favorite quarterback to just watch, like dissecting defenses, the, the, the mix with athleticism and the arm and the accuracy. Um, and he's just cool, you know? He's never, never hot, never cold. He's just consistently there. I, I just, I really enjoy watching him play. Uh, I'm, and he I'm curious, looks cool. Yeah. And he's <laughs> seriously, man. I mean, what a stud. What a stud. I mean, what a transformation. That side-by-side I saw of him from like right after he got drafted with the little buzz cut where he looked like a 15 oh, year old douche. It was like and a year then, ago yeah. from month from last month. <laughs> yeah. he, he cut off the long hair. Like oh. midway through the season, everyone's like, what are you doing, dude? The hair is, is the fly. As a long hair guy myself, yeah. it was a criminal charge. I wanted to press charges against him, but especially being in LA, like, yeah, yeah you got it. You got to rock that. Yeah. He's, he's the perfect guy for Southern California. It was funny because it's supposed to be Jared Goff, right? Like, mm. that was like the Rams got him and it was like, here's our pick. Like, it's going to be wild. They trade him away and Stafford's great. But like, if you're in Southern California, you're right. I think your favorite player, would have to be Justin Herbert. 
Yeah. I mean, Aaron Donald and Ramsey are also great choices, but like you're not as a defensive player, you're not getting the, yeah, yeah, you're not getting the, the same, you know, notoriety and publicity that a starting quarterback in the NFL would. Let, let me ask you as a question, is there a better, like thinking about the future of football and, and divisional rivalries, is there a better quarterback V quarterback, in a division that we're going to watch for the next decade better than Herbert and, and Mahomes moving forward? I don't think so. I mean, I think that's Russell the best, Wilson right? and Trey Lance. <laughs> <laughs> Wilson's going to play forever. <laughs> I mean, we're going to get a, a bunch of years of Wilson versus Stafford, which we're going to see tonight. And Kyler uh, Murray and Trey Lance too. Kyler Murray and Trey Lance. Hopefully, you know, Trey Lance works out. Um, but yeah, I don't really think there's, there's any, any other like, quarterback duel maybe if Jalen Hurts becomes the guy him and Dak you know but like it's never going to feel the same as Dak versus Wentz because they were the same draft class and the Eagles won the Super Bowl and Wentz looked so good that year you know we're never going to see that that kind of rivalry between Hurts and Dak I, I don't think there is right now and I, I think it's amazing for football because Mahomes is a megastar one of the most famous athletes in the world and Herbert playing in one of the biggest markets in the world I think if anyone's going to kind of revive the the chargers and help you know that was so important to them when they moved to la is finding the guy you know who's going to be the guy and, and they definitely have him they, they definitely have him in in justin Hurts. Dolphins. and i'm gonna say this my i'm i have not wavered on my raiders stance all season so far about the raiders looking really good in september and then falling off the wagon and they should beat chicago this weekend we'll get into that game in a little bit but if Chicago goes in, third start for Justin Fields, officially named the starter, and and they make that game close, and that defense affects, you know, Derek Carr. Watch, just watch it drop, man. Watch it drop. They're going to be a, a maybe a ten win team, you know, as I think what I've been saying after this hot start. But uh, so yeah, the Monday Night Football game was uh, not great. The the lightning delay was weird too, because everyone they don't get up- that, man. So technically it's a, it's not a, it's not a closed stadium. It's not a dome. It's a canopy. Right. But they have lightning protection. So like from a construction standpoint on any building that you do, you have ground wires. They're like thick cables twisted up and you put them in the ground and you put them multiple places on top of the building. So it gets struck by lightning. It's grounded. And like, it's, it's not going to like hold a charge and disperse through people, all that stuff. So to me, it was just one of those moments where it's like, yeah, we're like, if lightning strikes the building or were they still worried about the canopy somehow getting like structural damage and falling? Like it, it was a weird whole situation. I don't get it. So is it the whole fact that it's a canopy that makes it take so me outdoors? They had to, or what? I do love that we have you here. Cause you're like, you've the engineering, your, yeah. yeah. The engineering background, you know, that Mercedes Benz stadium in Atlanta backwards and forwards. Um, my, my understanding is what they said on the broadcast was that there are, certain areas on the higher up levels that are exposed that uh, could be yeah, individually struck by lightning built into the ground. <clears throat> so the higher levels are, are above ground. Yeah. I, I I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure that's, that was at least the explanation they gave, but it was uh it was weird. And then that game ends up well, the, wrapping up at like midnight. The weather was just rooting for the chargers. That's all. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it was just, yeah. Sending a little, well, bit it was funny too, because, because well, then, then I'm like, so because there was a lightning delay, I did something else. I turned it back on. There's no clouds in the sky. It looks like a great night in Southern California. And I'm just like, what the, what, what weather delay? And that's when I was joking. Cause I, I grew up there and I was just like, 
I bet you they just had like clouds come through and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa we gotta we gotta hold off Monday night football, guys. Like it's- there was some serious lightning <laughs> that was was in the in the area that they caught on camera. Uh so there there was legitimate lightning. I just found it so odd that this multi-billion dollar stadium, this insane architectural anomaly that they built out in, in Southern California is not safe to play when there's lightning, which I guess you know it doesn't rain and lightning in California all that much. So I guess they oh. thought it was you know, more of a, a rarity, but it's just ironic that the first prime time game that they have there with fans and everything they had to have the delay, which was, uh, which is odd. Um, some newts, some newts, some news and notes in the NFL right now. Um, Stefan Gilmore initially it was uh, announced that he was going to be released by the Patriots, but before they officially did, they worked out some trades. They worked with him and they sent Stefan Gilmore home. He is from North Carolina. They sent him to the Carolina Panthers Grew up a Panthers fan uh, and a, a good defense who just traded for CJ Henderson, who I, the Jags trading him away is, um, and it's just mind blowing to me. You know, the guy was only a year and a few games into his NFL career after being a first round draft pick out of Florida. And, and now there's young promising corners. And you also have a guy who won defensive player of the year as a cornerback, which is exceedingly rare in the NFL, especially in modern NFL. And, and that Carolina defense is, is going to be really, really frisky. Now, he's not eligible to play for a couple weeks, uh, but how, how much better does this make Carolina right now after seeing how, you know, the Cowboys kind of exposed him a little bit? And, and the other aspect of this, too, you know, Stephon Gilmore has one year left on an expensive contract, and he wanted to go somewhere that he was going to be willing to sign long term. So I'd say that bodes well for Carolina to get them long-term, but for a rental, if that's what it ends up being, uh, you know, you're giving up a sixth round pick for, you know, a team that I guess is ready to win now. Well, that's, it's clearly, that's how they feel. I mean, this is, they clearly felt that the money was worth it and they're getting, you know, players that are going to help boost up. Like you're saying, what, what was shown is exposed. I'm, I'm listen, Matt rule is a great defensive coach. So I'm sure he knew exactly what he needed. And when these opportunities came up, he took them. And, and I think that's, we talk about Bill Belichick who usually does this, this a lot where it's like someone frees up and everyone kind of like waits and thinks, and like, he just reacts. And I know that's not how it is in the NFL. I'm sure a lot of people are just reacting and going, but it did seem like, you know, being able to pull this off and, and get this done so quickly for me, just, just uh, bolstered the respect that I have for Matt rule and like what, what they're building in Carolina. Yeah. I just, to me, it's a good defense that got better. And, and you mentioned it, Jeff on the, on the, game against Dallas they got exposed in the secondary that seemed to be the weak point of course Dallas has the most explosive offense and wide receiving core in the league so um, if you can shore that up a bit I mean look he's still got to play Tampa Bay twice and there are weapons galore on that offense too so uh, you think about making a run for the division uh, shoring up a, a, a spot like that <clears throat> with a talent like that and Stefan Gilmore is, is is a great move I think for the Panthers and a guy who went up against Tom Brady every day in practice for, for years, you know, a guy who knows Tom Brady and defending Tom Brady, but as well as anybody and who we've never really seen go head to head. Uh, at least, well, we haven't seen go head to head in a game, at least though, you know, as Bill Belichick said in his you know press conference, you know, they, they played Tom Brady every day in practice. Vito, you said the same thing last year. So adding somebody like that, uh, and, and I, I hope he signs long-term because one of the things we've talked about this Carolina defense is as talented as they are, is they're extremely young, you know, outside of Brian Burns, who's, you know, been in the league four or five years, you know, this is a team, every single draft pick that they had a year ago 
in, in the 2020 draft was spent on defense. So for them to go out and get someone who is the caliber of Stephon Gilmore when healthy, arguably, you know, top two cornerback in the league, it not only solidifies the back end of your defense, it allows your, your monsters, your Brian Burns and your Derek Browns up front to eat a little more. Uh, but it just, it's a great leader to have coming from a place like Carolina. And I trust Matt rule to use him to, uh, to his best ability. So Carolina is a Carolina is a really interesting team. I, I love my pick preseason for them to sneak into the playoffs more and more every day. So I'm, and no, I'm never going to stop bringing that up because that was uh, that that might be my biggest win of the season so far <laughs> in terms of predictions. Uh, the other big news that dropped was the Cowboys um, cutting bait with Jalen Smith, the linebacker who they signed to a, a monster contract just a couple of years ago. I believe it was $54 million um, with four years to go on that extension. And the Cowboys are, are taking about $8 million in dead cat money and, um, you know, Scotty, you you had you were pretty heated about this in our text thread earlier today about player empowerment and you know how how can they just cut him a guy loose with that much time and everything on his contract. Um, and I want to give you the opportunity to talk about it because it, it is an interesting conversation, uh, but it, it also speaks to the nature of the NFL as to kind of how, why this happened to begin with. Yeah, listen, this whole thing is is bonkers. <clears throat> okay, I, I get the the perspective of of ownership and and really to me this is just ownership taking advantage of how much they can get away with um and and do whatever the hell they want there's no honor there's no accountability for for these these guys these professional guys who spend all their their years and and part of their career to get to where they get to in the nfl and then for an owner who is leveraging all the power that they're given to just not pay a guy choose to pay a guy 9.2 million dollars of a contract that you offered him and by the way uh you put yourself in that position with the uh the overpaying of, of that contract uh to to uh Jalen Davis to begin with it's ridiculous to me it just it, no integrity at all uh and and for for whatever reason you wanted to get rid of him which by the way should not be for what he's he's put out on the field because frankly it's been if serviceable and at times really really good okay i'm not saying he's an all pro guy he's not clearly the best uh linebacker in that in that uh core uh especially the way micah parsons has been coming on but guess what he's a pretty damn good nfl linebacker and so for you to say that um i'm gonna wield my power to just cut bait because uh i i have the freedom to to do that. Uh, get out of here with that. Have some integrity. Have some some ability to to understand your your the situation you put yourself in, and and let the player go out and prove to you that he he has earned a job. That's all I'm saying. Now, and and you know what, Scotty, this is, why, this is why I love having you on the pod uh, as one of the guys because you represent the voice of of a lot of fans, right? A lot of people who aren't like nitty gritty, like diving into details of contracts but also believe in stuff like hey the integrity all that kind of stuff like that stuff still like matters and it's important that we have that viewpoint because it's how things like player empowerment have progressed over the years because of fans and other people in in the nba and you know and other leagues pushing for it and being more vocal about it um coming at it from a just thinking about it from the cowboys perspective here you know he's not now all pro linebacker like you said but they're paying him like he's one Right. 
And that contract after, and it's worth noting, he was the worst graded starting linebacker in football last year. He was bad last year. He's been better this year, but having a guy like Micah Parsons as a rookie come in and basically outplay him, but the mistakes that Jalen Smith has been making have only been, have been covered up more so right now because of what Micah Parsons has done as a rookie. And, and yes, Micah Parsons is amazing and, and, and everything else, but a rookie shouldn't be covering up the mistakes of a guy that's being paid like an all-pro linebacker. And from a purely business and economical standpoint, it makes more sense to cut bait now, despite having, you know, all that dead cap money. If you don't, if you don't believe that he's ever going to get back to the version he was when you paid him, it makes sense to cut him now. And I personally wouldn't have done it. I, I, I now granted, I don't, I'm not in the organization. I'm not breaking down Jalen Smith film every single day. Like Dan Quinn is, but they felt like what they were paying him is not the production they got. He was, horrible last year and despite being a little bit better this year i think it kind of makes sense to cut bait and move on yeah i think this comes down to like outside of this decision it goes back to almost the major sports and how contracts are written and, and negotiated because in other major sports a lot of it's guaranteed and you're not just getting you know there there are different aspects of it where you get cut still but like a lot of it's guaranteed even if you are cut yeah. In the NFL, it's basically a bunch of one-year contracts. Like anyone, no one is really safe. Like you can get cut and the terms can move and all this stuff because they've usually paid you enough to cover your guaranteed money. It's a lot smaller of a percentage of your contract. That's why it's always funny when you hear NFL, when you hear a baseball contract, it's $100 million. It's $100 million. Yeah. Same with basketball. Same when thing with the a NBA. Football one, yeah. When a football is $100 million, it can be like $50 million guaranteed and 50 million incentives and all that stuff. And that's crazy. Like that, I can't believe in my, in my mind, like I think what the craziest thing is, is from an organizational standpoint, how do you have that much time and pay that many lawyers, all that bullshit to negotiate these contracts with 53 players plus practice squad? Like that's way too many players. How do you have a more complicated structure than all the other sports? I feel like, so, I don't know what's going on, but I'm sure lawyers and agents in the NFL make bank like oh they, yeah yeah they just negotiate all day and and it's important to note too and and you brought it up there the fully guaranteed contracts there's there's really only been one in nfl history and if we think back to a couple off seasons ago when kirk cousins is free agent part of the reason why him signing with minnesota was such a big deal in the sports business world was because it was a fully guaranteed contract it was three years 86 million i believe it was and every dollar was fully guaranteed. And a lot of people thought, oh, man, is this now going to shift? Are, are more quarterbacks going to hold out until they get, you know, a shorter deal, but is more guaranteed money? But you brought up the point there, uh, Vito, about, you know, players getting so much more money on the front end and, and not buying into what the numbers say when a deal gets signed. Kenny Galladay this offseason signs with the New York Giants. It's like a four-year, $65 million contract. Only $30 million of that contract is guaranteed. Right. So everyone sees the number. And whenever you whenever you see the number of years, subtract it by three. And that's actually the length of the contract, two to three yeah. years less. And if the guy outplays his contract, then he gets rewarded I and mean, he gets signed again. Or in Jalen Smith's case, you don't live up for the contract. And now we're two years in and you're staring down a lofty number there at the rest of it. 
you cut bait, you take the dead cap hit, which sucks, but look, it's Jerry Jones here. So I'm not, you know, it counts against the salary cap. So that's, you know, a little bit right. different, but I love your perspective of it, Scotty, because there should be more like, Hey, you signed the contract. You should follow it through. But yeah. the NFL is, it's a perfect example of how cutthroat the NFL is, you know, compared to everything else. And, and for fans, it's, it's so complicated. Like you were saying, Vito, and having all these lawyers and agents and all the nitty gritty little details that we're, we're only shown it's like an iceberg, right? Like we see 1% up at the top and the come how complex it all gets underneath and uh, underneath the, the surface is, is far more than any of our, uh, Way above any of our pay grades. I'll put it yeah. that way. Um, all right, let's take a quick break. We're going to come back previewing week five in the NFL. We're hitting our 25 quarter mark here in the season, uh, which is sad to say, but we still got a lot of football left. So enjoy every week and uh, we'll dive into those games next. All right, now week five NFL season coming up. Uh, very Three, fun week. Two, one. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's uh for those who want to know behind the scenes i count down before we go it's a you know it's a biz thing you know when you know when you're in the biz you get it um if you know you know <laughs> if you know you know <laughs> um really fun week a lot of really good matchups uh and then a couple of a couple of little stinkers there but i think this is i have a gut feeling i think this is going to be a really really good week in the nfl college football i'm a little less certain on but I think the NFL, especially the Sunday night game, the four o'clock window should be really interesting. Uh, and then tonight's game, the Thursday night game, where we're going to start is a, is a great matchup. And it happens, you know, a couple times a year that we get a really good Thursday night game. And we have one tonight, the Los Angeles Rams going to Seattle. By the time you're all listening to this, this game will have happened. So again, we're either going to sound really smart or really dumb so far this week, this year, we've done pretty good on our Thursday night games done pretty good and we're gonna do something a little bit different this week and this is gonna be our norm moving forward we're gonna pick after we talk each of our games we're gonna give our picks against the spread um so to update everybody on our standings for the season uh after the chargers won and covered scotty takes a game back he's now 35 and 38 on the year Vito still nine games above 500 41 and 32 with his picks and i am uh, just like last week one game above 500, 47 and 46. Uh, you know, I'm almost at 100 pick games, and I'm, I'm right there at the basically the 50-50 mark. So I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. Feeling, and, and the more we learn about these teams, I think the better the picks are coming. So, uh, well, uh, the last two weeks have been, have been pretty good. So let's start with this Rams-Seahawks matchup. Uh, I'm not sure how y'all feel, but we said this last week uh, going into the, the Seahawks and Niners game. You know, when it's the NFC West, anything can happen. So the Seahawks could come in and, and win this game at home, and, and I wouldn't be terribly shocked. But throwing that aside for the moment, I don't see the Rams losing two in a row. Uh, I, I think there were some things that were exposed, but I think the Seattle Seahawks defense is not great, and I think that offensive line has holes in it, and I think we're going to see Aaron, Aaron Donald absolutely eat tonight. Yeah, he's going to be big in prime time. I also think Stafford goes off, like you're saying, and and I think this is a huge bounce back win for the Rams, who I'm expecting to still be in that. You know, uh, they'll be fighting for that number one spot in the division, and it seems like the number one spot in the NFC will go to some team in that division, them and the Cardinals. So uh, it'll be really exciting to see how this this goes down the stretch. But I'm for sure on on the path that 
this team is not losing two in a row. No, it's weird too that the matchup predictor on uh, on ESPN has this basically a pick'em game, fifty fifty, hmm. um, which That's is what the line dictates too a little bit. But like, is that just because it's in Seattle? I I don't think that that Seattle has proven that they are genuinely that good of a team to be a 50-50 in a matchup predictor against the Rams. I mean, the Rams have been explosive. Um, I think really the only thing that held uh, – there were two things last week, uh, and, I, and I touched on them on, on the podcast uh, earlier this week, is really Seattle took advantage of a banged-up secondary. Uh, there was little to no running game to be spoken of, um, and, and Russ did his thing – when he needed to, and it wasn't a high scoring game. And then on the, on the defensive side of the ball, they had Trey Lance for half of the game who looked like a rookie. So I don't think that you see the, the numbers that you see that you saw out of the Seattle defense uh, against the, against the Niners last week, particularly with the the amount of weapons that LA has to offer. Um, now Arizona's defense slowed him a little bit last week, but um, you know, that's, that's, the exception, not the rule, I think. Yeah. Um, so and J- and Jamal I mean, Adams, this... you know, he he's a one man show right now in that secondary. And well, he he always gets hyped run... up too for yeah. He's for a run guy. Like this. Yeah. I I I'm kind of with you guys. I think we're all on the kind of on the same page, but I will throw throw this out. It is Russell Wilson. I know. You know, and it's a it's a prime time Thursday night game. It's a short week. No Chris Carson. That got announced right before we started recording. Uh, so Alex Collins is going to be he's going to be taking the majority of the carries, but I uh, you know I'm not I'm not sold on Seattle, and I think this is a huge opportunity for the Rams. You know this is really their you know they had the Sunday night game opening up the season, but it was against Chicago. This feels like the first like all right divisional matchup, short week on national TV. Rams got to I feel like this is almost like a must win for the Rams after losing last week. Uh, and, and they don't want to go down oh, yeah. in the division if they have Super Bowl yeah. hopes, you know. Exactly. So I, I feel like the Rams are are, are going to win this one. So right now the line is Los Angeles favored by two and a half, which I love that line. Yeah, I'm gonna too. I'm gonna take the Rams two and a half all day. Sam, hammer it. All right, all three of us. <laughs> that on. means that means Russell's gonna win. Damn it. Yeah, of course, right? <laughs> so we said that about Cincinnati last week, and Cincinnati held on. Right? There was a few games that we were all on board with. Uh, but nonetheless, this is where we're at. All right. We have our yearly, our first of our yearly, first time in two years, though, London game. All right. And I oh, think there's going to be two more games from uh, overseas here. It's going to be ugly because uh, it's the Jets and the Falcons and Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage uh, and one other offensive player are not traveling with the team um for, for apparently for for personal reasons i don't know if that's covid related i don't know what exactly is going on but those three guys will not be there so it's it's going to be the cordell patterson show again against the jets you'll see maybe a little more kyle pitts this week maybe a breakout game for him uh right now atlanta's a two and a half point favorite but i i have no read on this game because after the juice that the jets have winning in overtime against the bad defense could the jets try to build on that but then you, you throw in the, the travel and all that other stuff. Um, how are you guys feeling? Are you excited to have a London game back? I love the London games. I love waking up at 9 a.m. and having football on. I agree. I love I love having the early game. It's going to be fun. Um, but uh, what I what, I wish it was a little bit like 
um, you know, a more exciting matchup, but maybe this is the right excitement. Like both teams are one and three. Um, we've seen like one good show and we know there's talent on both sides. Right. So I don't know, man. I, I think though, that like, we always go back to when you, when you're debating between two teams, I always end up with who's the better quarterback and I'll take Atlanta and Matt Ryan. That's where I'm leaning. I don't know. the. I think the win, what's the line at right now? So right now two Atlanta's half. two and a half. Okay. Point favorite. Yeah. They're technically the home team, but at this point, you yeah. know, and it's funny too, because like what a middle finger to London. <laughs> it's like, Hey, you guys haven't had an NFL game here in like two years. You get the jets and the Falcons. Like, yeah. Congratulations. I'm surprised it wasn't the Jags again. I think they, the, I think they're going. I don't know if Urban Meyer's allowed to go to any pubs or restaurants in. Uh, <laughs> he's probably not know. allowed to go anywhere because <laughs> he won't funny. be the coach by Would then. Would you see his wife? Um, but- his wife Shelly, she quit Twitter today. No. After everything that went down, and we didn't get into it too much this week because I feel like everyone was just making jokes like left and right, and I was like, yeah. oh, we'll let them do that. Um, but the Urban Meyer story and all the pictures that came out over the weekend. Uh, yeah, she she had a message on. She did a notes app and screened it and threw it out there and quit Twitter. Just she literally at the sign. She was like, "By the way, I'm deleting my account right after I post this, so I'm not going to see any of your response." Yes, smart move. Yeah, I encourage anybody who doesn't need it for work to just, just stay off. off of Twitter. Yeah, it's Don't terrible. That negativity. It's terrible for yeah. you. It's not. Yeah. it's not great. Um, so are the, we, are the, go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, how, like, how are we feeling? Where are we leaning right now? I was I was going to ask if the Jets are going to get relegated after this game. It's <laughs> not how great. American football works, though. So, yeah, uh, that's I, funny, look, man, it's uh, I think Sal is going to have that crew fired up after that big overtime win. Uh, but I, I genuinely, genuinely believe that Atlanta played a tougher game against a tougher team in Washington last week and almost came away with a win. I know that they're missing some of their higher power, higher powered offensive weapons. Um, but look, man, if if there's this is the reason you drafted Kyle Pitts. Yeah. This is a coming out party, man. Um, this is gonna be a big game for Kyle Pitts and Cordero Patterson and hopefully Mike Davis because he's in my other fantasy league. But uh it's gonna it's I think it's uh Kyle Pitts' coming out party. So um <laughs> here we go, old chap. Um, whatever the hell they say over there. Uh, but yeah, I I like Atlanta in this game <laughs> to cover at least. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you know I'm I'm definitely on that Atlanta train to to win by three. I think that's a pretty good line. So I uh, I can't believe I'm going to do this. Um, the oh, Jets, I care about you, Jeff. <laughs> the Jets have have given up the least amount of passing touchdowns in the NFL this season. I know that doesn't sound like it should be true, but it actually is. Yeah, it's because the teams are up and run the ball against them. They had set and, and <laughs> thinking about Tennessee last week. Eric Henry last week. I mean, right? They were missing no their receiver. two. They were missing their two best offensive weapons. And what did uh, what did the Jets do? They got seven sacks. I, I think this defense is pretty good. And Marcus May is one of the most underrated safeties in football. He's facing charges from a DUI arrest back in February, but I believe he's traveling. He is going to play in this game. Um, so yeah, England, that's where you want to go after you've gotten a DUI. Good job. Yeah. Driving on the wrong side of the road, uh, but <laughs> on purpose this time. The um, amount they drink. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to take the jets. 
Oh, Jeff, I care about you. I know. And I'm going to watch on Sunday morning, but wow, what an idiot am I? But I'm going to take the Jets to to cover, and and wow. uh, I, I I think they're going to win. I just, you know, rookie tight ends struggle, and everyone thought Kyle Pitts is going to be the exception, and guess what? He wasn't. Everyone said the same thing about C.J. Hawkinson, Dallas Goddard. Think about all the highly drafted Noah fan, all the highly drafted tight ends over the last yeah. few years. It takes tight ends a couple of years because it's there's more mental stuff involved with playing tight end in the NFL than what, what he was doing at Florida in Kyle Pitts, which was just, we're going to line you up in the slot. You never have to worry about blocking. Yeah. You never have to worry about anything else. Just go be a wide receiver. He, he's not doing that in the NFL because you can't do that and be a tight end in the NFL. You have to learn to block. You have to learn blocking schemes and you have to understand everything that the wide receivers are doing and all the passing schemes. I don't know. I just, I don't see anybody on Atlanta you know, and even still, you got Marcus May, one of the best safeties in football, lined up against you. So it sounds crazy, but I'm going to take the Jets. I'm going to take the Jets. All right. Um, yeah. Green Bay on the road in Cincinnati. This line is befuddling to me. Right now, Green Bay is only a three-point favorite against Cincinnati. And I know Cincinnati's been playing pretty good, and I know they're three and one, but they haven't played a, a bunch of really good teams. They beat Pittsburgh, and that win doesn't seem like that great they beat jacksonville last week and they are almost down 21 nothing at halftime i don't see cincinnati slowing down aaron Rodgers. i don't see cincinnati slowing down aaron jones or Devontae adams i am all in on the packers this week and i think this game's not going to look particularly close um it's to me the uh the line looks a lot like the uh the Bengals injury report with some big players Joe Mixon and T Higgins. The line looks uh questionable. Um but hey, I uh I like the way Joe Burrow's playing. I think this defense is for real and guess what? That division's wide open. The Packers are going to run run away with this division. Don't get that twisted. But the Bengals, this thing's wide open. They're 3 and 1. They come off two big ones in a row. 2 and 0 oh at home. Close line, three. Give me the home team. Give me the Bengals. Wow. Now, I I actually think this is a complete toss up at this line. Um, wow. Yeah, I I really believe in Cincinnati more than I should, probably. But um, I'm going with with Green Bay. I think it's just too much firepower on offense, and just to cover the three, I think I'll at least get a push there. All right, that's ground I can gain. There we go. I, I think this is this is the game when everyone goes, oh, yeah, they're, they're still a young team. You know, like, great start, hot start, look good. Joe Burrows look good. But they're still young, and they're still not a great team. And the defense has absolutely exceeded expectations, no question. But T. Higgins is still questionable. Not sure if he's going to play. Joe Mixon's questionable. Aaron Jones is also questionable. So even if you take away the two starting running backs, do you believe in uh, – and AJ Dillon, or uh, it's not Giovanni Bernard, who uh, Samaji Pirine is the is the backup in Cincinnati. Who, which of those two do you believe more? I believe in uh, AJ Dillon a hundred percent. And as long as Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams are playing together, there's not a cornerback, there's not a duo that there's no defense that I'm afraid of, with the exception of maybe Jalen Ramsey. But even in the playoffs last year, we saw Devontae Adams abuse. Uh, not maybe not abuse, but you know won the battle against Jalen Ramsey. So I'm, I'm taking green Bay. I, I don't think this game's, like I said, I don't think it's going to be close. I think this is green Bay going everyone making everyone rethink what Cincinnati is. 
uh, which is a, a pretty good team, uh, a young up and coming team, but green Bay is just going to, I think is going to send them back to reality a little bit. Uh, all right. Next one o'clock game, Philadelphia at Carolina, another game that I'm surprised the line is this close right now. Carolina is a three point favorite at home. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So I did, I did some deep diving today on Jalen hurts. Because a lot of people were talking about how, you know, this loss against Kansas City, all the problems the Eagles have, it's not Jalen Hurts. It's not Jalen Hurts. And there's a great guy on Twitter. His name's Thomas Peterson. Uh, and uh, he, he covers the Eagles. And he does full video breakdowns. He was a college linebacker. Uh, and he does full breakdowns of every passing attempt from Jalen Hurts every week. He did the same thing with Carson. And I was watching it today. And Jalen Hurts missed five wide open touchdowns against Kansas city last week, five. And when I say wide open, I'm not talking about like, Oh, he had a step on the cornerback. Would have been a good throw? No, I mean like no one within five yards in some cases, no one within 15 yards, Dallas Goddard standing in the end zone when no other player was in the goal line, you know, from like the 30, like he like wide open touchdown passes. And there were some really, really great throws in there too, but there is a processing issue with Jalen hurts. There is a skittishness in wanting to escape the pocket and then throwing the ball away. And I'm, I, I, I want to give Jalen Hurts the benefit of the doubt because he's still developing. But I'm actually taking some of the blame off of Sirianni because Hurts missed a lot of great opportunities. And then two touchdowns got dropped. So you factor all that in. There was about seven potential touchdowns between wide open guys that Hurts just didn't see and dropped passes that make you go, all right, maybe it's not Sirianni. Maybe more of that was actually on Hertz last week than uh, people were giving him credit for. Carolina looks like McCaffrey said he's feeling good. He wants to try to play this weekend. I think if McCaffrey's in, I, I don't see the Eagles defense slowing Carolina much at all. And I, I think they're going to get tested against a, a good defense that held the Cowboys in check for that entire first half last week. I think even if McCaffrey isn't fully healthy, but he's, you know, able to get in. You, he's able to be used as a decoy too. And with all the problems that the Eagles are having, reading schemes and going too high safety all the time, and letting the run game up, like obliterate them, and then dropping in the box and going man, and then getting beaten over the top, like they've been doing that all season long. Yeah. Uh, and and that's the big issue. The other issue is that the offensive line is banged up, like really bad in Philadelphia. So. Uh, it's hard to get a run game going and establish the run when you don't have anyone capable of blocking to est help establish the run. Um, so uh, there's that team's in trouble, Jeff. I'm sorry to say, but uh, your Eagles are are uh, on the brink of uh, of disaster at this point. So yeah, and a, um, a brutal front half of the schedule for them. Oh yeah. Uh, and, and in addition to that as well, uh, you mentioned the offensive line. Lane Johnson likely to miss his second street week. Ilata um, again. It's a personal issue. So obviously we want all the best for Lane Johnson and everything going on in his life, um, which he's kept private and that's totally fine. And no one should be hating on a guy for going and taking, you know, personal mm -hmm. matters and, and, and going and do that. Uh, my lot of practice bunch this week. I don't think it's been officially announced whether he's playing or not. Um, he was limited in practice the last two days. So there's a chance we get him on Sunday. But if not, yeah, it's going to be Andre Dillard. Jack Driscoll played pretty well last week. Uh, Nate Herbig played pretty well. Uh, Jason Kelsey, you know, 
what a stud number number one ranked center uh pff against the uh, uh, in the running game number four ranked center in the passing game at 34 years old still putting up those kinds of i mean he's he's those kelsey's are pretty good huh they're a different breed man they they are uh they are a couple of gems no question uh Vito, where are you seeing the eagles and panthers at right now I think this just comes down to the Panthers defense being really good and really sound and enough explosion on offense to, to overcome. Uh, I'm surprised this line's at three. Is that what you said it was? Mm -hmm. I'm going Panthers for sure. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm on the Panthers. I will say the, the one thing with the Panthers is that they're actually, their past defense has done pretty well. It's like 150 yards a game, which is pretty incredible. Their rush defense led up like 98. So there's a chance the Eagles rush does get going against them. We'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I do think that's going to be the focus. and It's going to be a little different. You know, Miles Sanders needs to. There was a great play in that breakdown where Jason Kelsey, you know, had did an unbelievable job. Chipped the chipped the guy. The left guard was blocking. It was the tackle and then got up field. And, uh, you know, the left guard was doing a bit of a reach block. It was coming right behind Kelsey on a little little read option play. And there was a wide open hole and they Jason Kelsey one-on-one with a linebacker and basically no one else really close. It would have been probably a 10, 15 yard run, but with Miles Sanders shiftiness, you know, you never know, but there's a hesitancy with Miles Sanders to just go hit the hole, you know, just go after because he is so talented. And instead of doing that, he ran up to the hole and then jump cutted and ran to the outside. And this was in the red zone too, right? Where you could, he could have gotten it down to the five yard line and instead you know, it ends up being, a, you know, like a, I think he picked up like a yard bouncing it to the outside. And, and we just need to see more like, Hey, we're like, this is part of the hesitancy with the Eagles to give Miles Sanders the football because he's not seeing the holes. And it's been a complaint, you know, from some, you know, guys watching the Eagles for a while. And it's people saying, Oh, how can Miles Sanders only get eight touches or three touches, you know, in the running game, which I agree is far too little, but some of it also falls on Miles Sanders that like, Hey, give us a reason to give you the ball more dude. Like, you know, Kenny Gainwell is that's one of the things I love about him. He's a young rookie who's eager to just blow people up in the hole despite being undersized. I think the Eagles, like, I wouldn't be shocked if the Eagles win this game. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, I think the Eagles have all the potential in the world. Watching Devontae Smith and the way that he has abused cornerbacks, NFL cornerbacks with his route running, it, it's unbelievable, oh. man. Like, he is everything as advertised. But this game is what, what version of Jalen Hurts are we going to see? You know, or are we going to see – the Jalen Hurts that we saw versus Atlanta? Because if we do, I think the Eagles can win this game. But the defense is going to be the big question mark, especially with how bad the Eagles linebackers are, worse than the NFL. They're going to get matched up against McCaffrey a bunch if he ends up playing. And in the passing game, that is a bad place to be. I'm with you guys. Give me Carolina to cover the three. But again, do not be shocked if Philly ends up pulling off the upset. All right. Uh, NFC North matchup here. Detroit Lions going to the Minnesota Vikings Vikings are 10 point favorite. That number seems pretty high, but you know, the lions disappointing showing against the bears last week, that fight, that gritty team we saw first three weeks really didn't seem to be there, but Minnesota, as we've learned, they just keep every game close and they tend to play down to their competition. Still not a fully healthy Dalvin cook. How are we feeling about the Vikings and the lions? I think the Vikings offense, I, I just believe in this team a lot more than I should. Um, what's the line at right now? Minus 10 for Minnesota. See, that's what I'm worried about. It's a lot of points. 
the cliche, it's right? It's like, oh, it's, you can always feel like, yeah, but there was like, if you get the bet wrong, you can always go back and be like, yeah, but there were so many points. Did you see how many points they got? Yeah. Um, I know Detroit's looking like they're going to be without Penny Sewell. Um, man. Yeah, I, look at that injury report. I mean, the, the, the names on that injury report alone. No more yeah. Jamie, no more Jamie Collins. They released him. You know what? TJ Hawkins is banged up. Yeah. I'm gonna go with Minnesota steamrolling here. I'll take I'll take Minnesota. Yeah. It's it's a no-brainer to me at home. Um that's a tough place to play. Um Panay Sewell obviously out. Uh well, not out, but probably out. He's doubtful already. Didn't practice Thursday. DeAndre Swift is banged up. Jamal Williams is banged up. So what little offense that they could provide you is, is going to be at the, at very best, uh, you know, playing not at a hundred percent DJ Hawkinson as well. Um, so I expect uh, based on, on last week, I expect that uh, that pass rush and the, the, the run stuffing that um, that Minnesota had, I mean, look, Minnesota did a, a good job of holding, I mean, uh, granted Nick Chubb had a hundred yards, but holding Nick Chubb to a hundred yards and, and not allowing a ton out of Kareem hunt in the past game. So for them to, to be able to, to stop those two guys, there's no, no way Detroit has enough firepower to, uh, to even come close to that. I think it's a steamroll as well for Minnesota. Yeah. The 10 points are, are tempting, man. Right. And you look at this defense right now, they're tied for 17th for, uh, points or aside for 21st and points against um, the defense hasn't been great, but definitely had their best game of the year against um, against Cleveland last week. But, you know, with Baker having a partially torn labrum that he's playing with now, as we learned, uh, and, and then obviously no Jarvis Landry and, and kind of Baker's just not been great this year. I think Minnesota, you know, they were able to kind of key in on like, Hey, if we stop, if we slow down the run, we're going to be in this game. That being said, questionable DeAndre Swift, questionable Jamal Williams, questionable TJ Hawkinson. I mean, those are the three names that scare you on that offense in any way. And then, yeah, Penny Sewell not looking like he's going to play. I think I have to take Minnesota to cover here as well. But I uh, I don't like Minnesota beating a team by 10 points this year. Like, I just yeah. – you know, you look at their the, every game this season, right, three-point loss to the Bengals, one-point loss to the Cardinals – uh, though they did beat uh, Seattle by 13. So, you know, it wouldn't be out of character. And then the seven point loss to the Browns. Um, I'm with you guys, though. I have I have uh, Minnesota covering the uh, the 10. And even when I first wrote it down, it was at nine and a half. So it's that that line is moving towards people on Minnesota. Um, our first even line of the year. The Denver Broncos on the road in Pittsburgh. Uh Teddy Bridgewater practiced today, which is good news. Yes. Uh, I believe he cleared concussion protocol. So it looks like Teddy's going to get the start on Sunday. If it was Drew Locke, I wouldn't feel so great about this. But if it's Teddy, I, uh, I, can, see, I can see myself leaning more towards Denver. Vito, as our resident Broncos analyst and fan, uh, where, how are you feeling about your boys going into, uh, going into Steel City? I'm feeling really good. I, I think we match up well with their offense. And I think I'm, you know, without them being able to generate as much pressure without Watt, I just, 
Sorry, I just well, Watts, uh, Watts back. Watts walk played last he, week too. Yeah. Did he come back last week? How did I miss yeah. that? I was at a wedding. That's how yeah. I missed that. Um, yeah, I, I well then that does change a couple things, but I think the, the the only deal with us is that our defense can still generate enough pressure, and Ben is is not mobile in that pocket. He's not shedding, you know, would be rushers and tacklers at all this season. He is completely stoic. And we have a very, very good pass rush. I'm extremely confident that we're going to get to him a lot and often. And I, I feel like we're going to be able to generate some turnovers, right? It's not all about the sacks. It's about getting him throwing off, off position and um, letting our great secondary make some plays. So I think turnovers will be the difference. And if Teddy plays, I don't think we turn the ball over and we get some. And and I think that's the difference. I, I'm glad it's a it's even. I'm surprised you don't have some points, actually. I thought they would be favored a little more, but... I'm okay with that. I'll take I think us. Pittsburgh's just a tough, tough place to play. Um, I'll tell you what I love in this game is the under. And it's a pretty low under for NFL standards, <laughs> but right now it's at 39 and a half. And I don't see 40 points getting scored in this game because I think, I think Denver's defense is going to shut. I could arguably shut out Pittsburgh. The, the secondary is too good. The defensive line against that terrible offensive line and Denver has been a really good run defense so far this year. I mean, we saw them. They were almost the first team to hold Baltimore to less than 100 yards if it wasn't for that kind of gimmicky play. And I think they were pissed that they were really pissed. Uh, Vic Fangio was was really upset about yeah. the, the Ravens going for those extra couple of yards. So this is a good run defense. It's a good it's just a good defense. It might be the best in the NFL going up against an offense that just feels anemic. Like I feel more confident in the Jacksonville offense than I do about Pittsburgh and Najee Harris, you know, for as much as they're giving him the ball, he's only got 180 rushing yards this year. So I, I, I don't see Pittsburgh moving the ball against Denver. And I, I think Teddy Bridgewater is good enough to get you a touchdown and at least get you into field goal range a few times. I think this is low, low scoring. And I think Denver ends up winning. And, and again, hit the under here because in terms of spread we got to pick them so take the under if you're looking for a little bit of leeway but i i like denver to win this game yeah i'm more interested in the over under on number of sacks that will happen in this Mm. game rather than the line um particularly for the broncos um but you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna go with a gut here broncos defense is stout um you know, everything about their offense, especially if Teddy Bridgewater is in there, tells me that they uh, they have everything in place to win. That secondary is is unreal good. Um, and and they, they can put enough pressure on on Ben, who's been playing terrible. But um, you know what? Um, we just had a, a birth in the friend group, Asher Jacob Kreitzman, who is undoubtedly going to be a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. So give me the Steelers at home. All right. For Asher. All for right. Asher. For Asher. For Asher. We'll get the hashtag going. Um, yes. Congratulations to Jake and Lauren on the new baby. Uh, it's doing very well for right now and uh, couldn't be more happy for them and, and that family. They deserve it. Um, and Vito, you took Denver, correct? Oh, yeah. All right. You, I was going to say, you better. You better be taking, you better be taking <laughs> Denver. What are, we, what are we talking about here? Um, all right. Miami. Got a Florida matchup here. The Miami Dolphins going to Raymond James Stadium, taking on defending Super Bowl champs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, big line on this one, 10-point favorite Tampa Bay is at home. 
I don't think Miami is a, is bad enough to warrant a 10 point line. I think yeah, a lot of people are out on them, but they've looked bad <laughs> and Jacoby Brissett, you know, against that defense, Miles Gaskin's been one of the biggest fantasy disappointments of the season for sure, but also just in terms of production has been disappointing, but I feel like they're just handicapped with what they can what they can run, what kind of offense they can run. So I'm leaning towards Tampa Bay covering this after a close game. I think Tom Brady's like, hey, I just had my worst performance as a Buccaneer. I need to show out. I need to put the absolute beating on the Miami Dolphins. So I'm leaning towards Tampa Bay to cover that 10. How are you boys feeling about this one? I am too. I mean, when you when you look at it, Miami's got the second worst offense when it comes to points. Um, that doesn't bode well for a big spread. Like, I, I don't think they're going to be able to contain – you know, they also have one of the worst defenses in the league now. They're bottom third for sure. For me, I think it's just Tampa Bay is too good. There's too much talent all over. Uh, give me, give me the bucks and and the points or the ten. It's weird, I guess. It's I'll weird, give the right? 10. In the in the preseason, we thought no way after last year, no way Miami takes that huge of a leap back. They're top five, but definitely top ten defense, and they have just played themselves into a hole. They, they are not good on defense. Their best defender, in fact, Xavier Howard, is, is questionable for this game as well. Um, they can't get anything going on offense. Their, their best offensive weapon is probably Mike Gesicki, which is cool because he's a Penn Stater. But like, if that, that's your best offensive weapon in the NFL right now, I, you're in trouble, especially against a team whose defense just held a Bill Belichick offense to 17 points. I mean, that's... That's huge. And they're playing in sunshine. It'll be nice. Tom Brady will have to get to loosen up the joints a little bit uh, in the, in the warm weather. So uh, I think he'll be slinging the bean all over the, the, uh, the pitch on Sunday. Give me the bucks. Yeah. Will Fuller gets put on IR this week with a broken finger, Byron Jones and, uh, and Xavier Howard, their two best defensive players. The two cornerbacks are both questionable. Devonte Parker, who's been their best offensive weapons statistically, at least this year, um, who's really only come on in the last two weeks. He's questionable as well, and you you look at this. You look at the team. I mean, outside of Gronk, and who which I don't think well, they, they'll Gronk need is doubtful. Week. Yeah, and he's so he's even, doubtful. But even without Gronk, I, I think they're going to be fine. I, I really yeah. do. So even without Gronk, I mean, look, your your two best defenders are banged up, and you still have to worry about coming Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Cameron Bray. Yeah, like and, forget and about I think it. you know what I think this week's going to be. I think this is going to be. Let's all take a second to watch Leonard Fournette get a little bit of a rebirth here. I, th- I think this is yeah. a big running the rock. I think Leonard Fournette has a big day uh, going up against Miami. All right. Saints going to Landover, Maryland to play the Washington football team. New Orleans is a two-point favorite. I see this game going very similar to what we saw uh, in, in the Giants game because I, I think Washington and, and New York are, are mirror images of one another. I think they're very similar teams in similar situations with defenses that have both been disappointing uh, and offenses that have been able to put up some points, but you just have that glaring question mark at, at quarterback. I think the saints need this win to keep their season alive. Uh, but I also think Washington does Washington coming off a yeah. big win against Atlanta. Uh, I, I'm I, this is a tough one to pick right now. The saints are again, two point favorite on the road. Where are you guys at right now with new Orleans taking on Washington? Every week we've said that their that defense has to step up because that defense should be a top three defense, just what you put on paper. I'm talking about Washington now, uh, and they haven't. 
And I don't think that changes this week. New Orleans has been the team that we've doubted their defense. And all of a sudden now, kind of like last year, where they just emerged as a really good defense. Um, I don't think – I think Taylor Heineke's good. I think ha- not having Logan Thomas hurts you, uh, not for necessarily the, the receiving game, but definitely for what he brings in terms of um, running offensive scheme and blocking in the run game. We saw Antonio Gibson um, kind of shut down in the run game last week against the Giants. He ended up having a nice night out of the backfield. So did J.D. McKissick. But uh, I think the, the, the Saints – find a way to put it together when I honestly, I have them covering, but it's literally by a last second field goal. Honestly, like, yeah, for, for me, I think this comes down into to expand on what you're saying about the defenses. What's crazy right now is that Washington is the third worst defense in points and the saints five. are top five saints are number five. Like that's, that's the difference right there. And I think that's why I'm, I'm taking the saints uh, Jameis, you know, better show up and do some Jameis things. They got to, they got to unleash him man, and really push the ball downfield. They need to have a lot more targets down there and, and what? stretch the defense out. They haven't done yeah. a great job of that on the it, offensive it, side. It should be a slick, uh, slick Sunday out here in, uh, in the nation's capital. So I'd expect a lot more out of Camara in this game that we've seen all year too. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, I, I just don't see anybody on Washington offensively. Who's really going to, I mean, Terry McLaurin, obviously, but he's had a bad yeah. year until last week and when he kind of exploded i think the saints defense isn't going to have two bad weeks in a row i've said it like there couldn't be there are not two defenses in the league that i was more wrong about you know going into the season than new orleans and washington and i i really thought that washington's defense was going to be good i i think they'll play better this week you know at home but taylor heineke he goes off he has a week with no turnovers last week I think he's going to turn the ball over a couple of times. I think New Orleans, I love your pick there, Scotty, of a last second field goal. I think they, I think the Saints need this win. And I think what the Saints are going to be all year is just up and down, up, up and down. You know, they're going to be like a wavelength, just boom, boom, just up, just constantly up and down, dolphining this entire season. So, yeah, I'm going to take the Saints here to bounce back and get a win on the road. Uh, and I think they're going to cover the spread. Like you said, last second field goal, you know, that covers the spread. So all of us are on the Saints in uh in week five you don't want a dolphin this year that's a bad move yeah all right uh tennessee versus jacksonville um tennessee coming off of a a bad loss to the jets not not a game that they're supposed to lose derrick henry leading the league in rushing um good news for them at least aj brown back practicing uh julio jones questionable but you know i think coming back this would be a, a great week to have him back Tennessee's a four and a half point favorite on the road. So you figure it's about a touchdown favorite on a neutral field. Um, I think this is Tennessee all the way. I think Derrick Henry's going to go off and have a big day. Uh, and I think the return of AJ Brown, you know, he he was slow starting last year. You know, I remember I traded him in fantasy and, and thought I won the trade and I was very wrong because, you know, by, by mid season, the rest of the season, AJ Brown was an absolute monster. He might just be a bit of a slow starter. And uh, especially if Julio's back as well, I think this is Tennessee all day. Yeah, they're definitely going to take it. What's what's the spread at right now? So Tennessee, Tennessee is a four and a half point favorite. Wow, I'm surprised it's not more. Well, it's the three points for being on the road, right? So you figure on a neutral field, they'd be a seven and a half point favorite. Yeah, still, I still take that. (laughs) Like, uh, I I don't know. I I think I would. I'm definitely on the side that Tennessee is just going to run the ball. I think. 
in Jacksonville, the fact that uh, Urban had to have a quote like, you know, heart to heart talk with his teammate with his team and everything. It's well, just- and dude, did you hear his response when they talked about like, how are you going to basically, how are you going to lead the team after everything that happened last weekend and like get everybody focused on this weekend? And he goes, that's not on me. That's for the players to decide. I'm like, is, is, is this at this point, is, is he pulling a Costanza? Is he trying to, is he trying <laughs> so. to get fired? Yeah. Because this is uh, urban Meyer, dude. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It's been chaotic. Um, See, the, the thing that gets me though, is that like, this is exactly when urban Meyer does something behind the scenes that we don't see. And then Trevor Lawrence comes out throws three, four touchdowns and somehow like makes this close. Um, I, I'm going with the Titans. Cause I don't think they're going to lose back to back. I really like variable. And I really like what he's built there as just a team. Like, even though in the off season, everyone was saying, you know, they had coaching issues with like the, you know, the with COVID and, and people catching it, not following rules last year, all that stuff. Yeah. It's not great, but it's also like, they're their own identity. They're like an F you to everybody mentality. It's like Belichick's anti Belichick, like mentality where it's like, uh, they, 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 you know, revolt against everyone else. And, and it's just like a, it's almost like the old school Raiders feel a little bit with this yeah. team. And you got a, a running back that's going to beat people up and grind the ball. I, I'm going with the Titans. I just I, I would say watch out for Trevor Lawrence to have a good game. I think he finally is going to have one here. I think you're right on the Titans' offensive front. I'm still not sold on their defense whatsoever. To to allow that much offensive production from a rookie quarterback who we said the week before looked the worst of among all the rookie quarterbacks in the NFL. And so. <clears throat> Not no sold question. on that on that Titans defense at all. All the turmoil in Jacksonville. Aaron Rodgers had a great quote about this with the Urban Meyer stuff. It was something, and I'm going to paraphrase, but it's it was something along the lines of uh, in college, which is where Urban Meyer has has earned his uh, his keep. Uh, in college, they have to call you coach and they have to respect you. The NFL, they can just call you Urban, right? Yeah. So that locker room is lost to to at least Urban Meyer. And one of two things can happen. Either you uh, you hang your head and uh, and realize that uh, you don't have a leader anymore, or uh, or a somebody or a couple of somebody step up and uh, and and rally the team around uh, the common goal that the team has and and not what the uh, the degenerate coach has. So um, four and a half. Not sold on the defense. I love your take, Vito, on uh, on Trevor Lawrence kind of exploding a little bit. Give me the give me the Jacksonville Jaguars to cover. I love that. I like I I do like that pick, and I think you're right. I think Trevor Lawrence like this is a big game for Trevor Lawrence. You know how how is he as a leader, right? Because if, if yeah. the onus is really going to be on the players to to be the leaders, you know this is a big moment of hey, what what is Trevor Lawrence? And he looked good against the Cincinnati defense, as we said earlier. That's been better than we thought this week mm-hmm. or this this year coming into the season. And you know, going up against Tennessee, you know, I, I think they'll do some things. But Vrabel is a you know defensive minded head coach, and uh, and like you said, Vito, like my my belief in them is more that a I think the offense is going to get right in this game. But also, I think the defense is going to bounce back a little bit. I think they got embarrassed and that they're embarrassed by their own performance last week. So I think Tennessee's the move. But I wouldn't be surprised if Jacksonville covers and keeps it close. I really wouldn't. 
Um, New England going to Houston. Probably not a whole lot to talk about in this game. Uh, Houston at this point is just not even fun to talk about, which sucks for them uh, after all those years of being one of those kind of fringe playoff teams that would always kind of be in there. Um, I I think this is a game where you see Mac Jones. I think he got his – I think he – you know, they always say, you know, you you earn your pinstripes for the Yankees, right? This is like Mac Jones got his swagger after how he played. I think this is last week was a confidence builder Sunday night football going up against Tom Brady and Dan played well. Yeah. Yeah. And if it wasn't for that last second monsoon that came in on the final drive, you know, they would have trusted him to throw the ball a little bit more and maybe they go for it on fourth down, but they protected him enough where he's going to come into this game confident. He broke the record for, or at least the longest stretch in 30 years for a rookie quarterback and completions. It was like 19 in a row that he completed against Tampa Bay. So I don't think this Houston defense is going to slow them down much. Right now, New England's a nine-point favorite on the road. I have the Patriots covering the nine. I think this is a blowout. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't have much on this game. I mean, Mac Jones just, I think, really played well last week against uh, a really, really good defense in really, really bad conditions. So, um, you know, I think if you have uh, – open Patriots players in your, uh, in your fantasy league, you should take them um, because I think they're going to have a really big offensive day. Defense has been a bit of a question mark for the Patriots. They've been up and down all, all season long, but uh, cool. it's a bit of a Rex Burkhead revenge game. How about that? Oh, Rex Burkhead yeah. on the, on the Texans now, huh? That's How about fun. that? What about um, you, Vito? So give me, uh, are you let, take, sorry, yeah, are you taking here. New England here? No, let's do a pick. I'll do, uh, give me huge spread for the uh, Patriots. Uh, uh, yeah, Patriots in, in this one. Love it. Vito, where are you at with the, with the Texans and the Pats? And this, this is actually hard for me because nine points is a lot. Uh, I think we're all on the same page with who's going to win for me. Um, you know, what I'm seeing, though, is that the Patriots offense, they're, they're not that crazy explosive either. You know, they're, they're also in that bottom third and points scored, uh, given Houston's a lot weaker on defense than New England. So, man, I, I just think nine's a lot. Ah, I mean, Texans just got embarrassed by Buffalo last week, too. They did. You know, what kind of fight do they have in them? You know, that – you know, is David Cauley going to be able to rally the troops? You know, I, I just – this comes back to the Davis Mills thing, which is that I had zero faith in Davis Mills last week. And even against, what was it, a 16-point spread last week, and they lost 40 to nothing. Mm-hmm. And Mitch Trubisky sort of touched on at the end of the game. I just – zero faith in Davis Mills going up against a Pats defense. So even if the Pats score two touchdowns the whole game, I don't see the Texans scoring any of them. <laughs> Yeah, and and that might be the difference. Um, I'll take I'll take. Uh, shit, I guess I'm I'm taking the Patriots. You know what? No, I, something's telling me to take Houston. I'm gonna stick with my gut. Hey, I don't man, know why. That's all you got to do. Yeah, I, I don't I love check. it, but <laughs> I feel like you know this. They could they can score twice, and then nine points is a lot. I'm gonna let you pick Houston this week to cover the spread. But if you lose in back to back weeks, picking Houston to cover the spread. I'm not, I'm going to, I'm going to step in and, and be like, uh, be like your sponsor from an AA meeting. Wait, no, did I, I picked him last week, right? Yeah. You picked Houston to cover. <laughs> All right. If they lose and don't cover moratorium on the Texans picks. <laughs> I'm going, I'm going back to the, Oh wait, I might be wrong here. Oh, 
No, I think I swapped it, right? I, think, I almost I think had you a... did. Scotty picked Houston to cover. Yeah. Oh, what That's idiot what would do that? <laughs> It was a 16-point spread, though. So yeah, that's that's an aggressive. That might All be right. the biggest one of the year. So I'll 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 retract my uh, my my statement there. So if you want to pick Houston, then pick Houston. If your gut's telling you pick Houston, do it. Um, listen, my gut's been pretty upset today. So you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and switch and go with uh go with New England. Go with New England. Yep. I, I'm not trusting my gut today. Today's not the day to do Today's that. Not the- <laughs> <laughs> That's that's probably smart. All right, uh, four o'clock window, uh, really interesting four o'clock window, leading us off the Chicago Bears on the road against Las Vegas. Uh, Justin Fields officially named the full time starter. It's about oh, imagine that. I'm Matt Nagy. <laughs> you know, Jesus, what an idiot. Um, you five oh, weeks. No. I mean, come on, seriously, like, uh, come on. Uh, it looked good last week against the Detroit Lions. Uh, the Raiders. You know, despite being down 21 nothing at halftime, they fought back in that game, man. And if it wasn't for Justin Herbert really having command and control of that whole game, um, you know, I don't know if, if any if, uh, how many other teams would have stopped that comeback. The Bears' defense has been good. Right now, Vegas is a five-and-a-half-point favorite over Chicago. I hate so, this line. It's, it's a <laughs> lot of points. Um but I could also, you know, I, I, I see this game going two ways, right? I see a blowout by the Raiders or a comfortable win by the Bears where it's like, all right, Justin Fields has arrived. But for me, at least, I haven't seen enough out of Justin Fields to say that based off of statistical evidence. That is simply just a gut-feeling rookie quarterback who people believe in getting that confidence showing up in a game. You know, we just haven't seen – any evidence for me to support the, the bears winning this game comfortably. I think the Raiders probably win, but I could also seeing it being really tight. I just, I'm all over the place with this game. So uh, you guys help me figure this out. So I think this one's going to come down to the fact that the, even though the bears defense, we expect a lot of them and they've played well, they're still giving up a lot of points because of the amount of turnovers their offense has had. And I think that's going to be the difference is even though we, we have a starter and it's great in Chicago, that's awesome. It doesn't matter if you're turning the ball over, especially when, you know, your defense can do a great job, but if you're turning the ball over, you're not going to compete, especially, you know, the Raiders are pass happy. Um, they've had some incredible games. I do think after watching that, that game, you know, that team is built differently this year. The mindset's a little different. I'm going to go ahead and take uh I'm going to go ahead and take the Raiders to cover it and, and look for David Carr, um, Derek Carr. Don't look for David Carr. He, he retired a long time ago. Houston <laughs> yeah, actually could use him back. He's on NFL Network. Yeah, but uh, look for Derek Carr to, to sling it a little bit and, and watch out for rugs. I feel uh, like a 70 mm. or 80-yard touchdown big play, like something big this week just to come out and, and lift the top off that, that Bears defense. Why would you do that to me when I have Henry Ruggs sitting on my bench? Anyway, uh, you can I start hate him. this yeah, over Tyler Boyd. I don't think so. Uh, no, um, this line to me is weird and scary, and I don't like any of it. Um, the calendar has switched to October, uh, and that AFC West is wide open. Too bad the Raiders are not as good as we think they are. Give me the Bears to cover. 
I, I want to do that too, Scotty. I do, but Chicago's trying be, due. <laughs> trying to be analytical. Well, they were, they were doing then one last week, right? Last week was the game that bears fans, you know, that keeps them hooked into the season. This is like the week where they were traditionally lose, but I also feel like this is, would be like, Hey, Raiders start off three and oh, and then they lose four straight could just as easily happen. My, my biggest concern, and Vito, you hit it there with the Henry Ruggs point, is that the, the Bears secondary, you don't have Fuller anymore. The rest of their, their front seven is really good, but their secondary is, is average. And Derek Carr, I, I do believe, is, is having the best season of his career. He looks good. He looks comfortable. He and, and, and the crazy thing is, is that team believes in him which was always kind of the question of doubt was it always felt like he was one of those like fake leader type guys. So now the team's built in, uh, has bought into him. I think they advanced to forward one and I think they win by a touchdown. Um, and I, I, for all I know, it could end up as a blowout. So I'm going to take the Raiders here uh, to cover the five and a half. All right. My favorite individual matchup in terms of one side of the ball against another, the Cleveland Browns going to Los Angeles to play the Chargers. The Browns' defense against the Chargers' offense is going to be electric. Yeah. I cannot wait to watch this game. I, I'm bookmarking it now. This will be the game that is on the full-time TV. I'm still going to have red zone on, but yeah. that game's going to be on the full-time TV because I think this matchup is going to be fantastic. I cannot wait to see Justin Herbert against a team that can get pressure without blitzing, right? Because that's the thing is when you can get to Herbert with the blitz, he'll pick you apart. But if you can get pressure without the blitz, his numbers drop significantly. So, but on the other side of the ball, we have a ridiculously good Chargers defense going up against the Browns offense that with, you know, Baker Mayfield is playing with a partially torn labrum right now from that hit he took a couple weeks ago. And those are tough. I've, I've actually... I've torn both my labrums, my left shoulder and my right shoulder. But really? yeah, what, what ends up happening too is you Labra. can play sports on it. <laughs> you can play sports on it still, but your your strength of your shoulder, like your muscles have to overcompensate a lot and like your shoulder will naturally weaken. So this is when you see uh, players like sail balls because usually they, f- they flick down harder and you end up releasing a little higher and balls will sail on you a bit. And they open, um, they open their shoulders up a little bit the, more too. And the other way too. Is, yeah, yeah, exactly. It, you open up his, and, and I think it's throw, his left shoulder. I think it it's is. his left shoulder, right? It's yeah, his yeah, non-throwing but, shoulder. Yeah. And that, that'll still like, that's what I'm saying. So even when you're throwing, like think about a natural twist of your body that you're going through, like just everything is so in proportion for these athletes. Like they have to have, you know, a lot of them learn how to throw in your offset or, or at an angle, but when you're using a normal throw, that's why like people always say like, Oh, it's a, an ankle injury for a quarterback. Well, if it's their plant leg, it's a really big deal. Right. Um, again, all of these other things can affect it. Your, your offside drop knee. Like anyway, the point is that all this stuff's connected in your body and you'll see NFL players all adjust when they get an injury like this and try and play through it. What I am worried about mostly is if this Browns team can get the run going against the chargers now, the, the good news for them in that regard is that the Chargers, you know, in terms of rush defense, they're actually uh, like fourth worst in the NFL. And for that reason, I think the Browns are going to go in, dominate time of possession, push the ball, limit the amount of possessions Herbert gets. And 
man, Herbert looks like an absolute NFL stud already, but I think the Browns team is just really, really good. Uh, this is almost a toss-up for me. What was the spread again? So right now the Chargers are a two-point favor. Yeah, give me the Browns. I'll take the Browns. I uh, I will say right now I'm I'm leaning towards the Chargers, and I totally get where you're coming from, run defense, everything else. Brandon Staley is 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 the young, bright defensive mind of our era, right? And so to this point, they haven't had to play a really good run defense, but they are a team that adjusts their defense to their opponent every single week. Mm-hmm. And they know when they're going up against Cleveland, the only way that Cleveland's going to beat them, similar to what Minnesota did to them last week, is stack the box and force Baker to beat you because you have a banged-up Baker and a, a Baker who's also been underperforming for the most part this season. I think the Chargers defense is going to be able to handle the Browns. I know the, I think the running backs will probably end up with, you know, Kareem and, and Nick Chubb. I, you know, I think they're probably going to end up with 120 combined rushing yards, something like that, maybe a touchdown or two, but I think they're going to hold them and slow them down to a point where it's like, you are literally going to have to run against seven or eight guys in the box or eight or nine guys in the box every single time. And Trust Asante Samuel Jr. on the outside. Trust, you know, that secondary, which has been awesome. And I think it's, again, I think it's probably going to be relatively low scoring because I think the Browns will be able to get pressure without having to blitz. But keep in mind, you know, Rashawn Slater has been the number one rated rookie in the NFL this season. So you got Rashawn Slater going up against a whole nother test in Miles Garrett. But Herbert's capability, his athleticism, you know, I, I think the offensive line for, for the Chargers has played so well this year that they're going to put that pass, that front four to the test, and they're going to force Cleveland to try to blitz them. And at that point, you're going to get an advantage for the Chargers. I think it's going to be low scoring. I think it's going to be tight, but I do think the Chargers win by a field goal uh, and cover the two points. So, Scotty, where are you? What's your pick right now? Chargers, Browns, that minus two for the Chargers. I think that there's a couple of things in this game that you focus on, and we touched on it a little bit. The rushing, the Chargers defense is an, in the bottom four of yards per game allowed, which is good. That's where you want to be. Uh, the average per game, the yards per game allowed, is uh, in the top four at uh, 5.3 per carry. Um, Nick Chubb is averaging 5.2 per carry, so we're, we're right about dead on there. The Chargers defense has only given up two touchdowns on the ground. Um, that to me is is telling of, hey, you play your game, you shut down uh, Nick Chubb and keep him out of the end zone. I don't think with Baker banged up and uh, and the rest of the offensive weapons that or lack thereof that the uh, the Browns have have shown this year that they have enough to to overpower that, especially at the line. I also like the fact that Justin Herbert is going to have time to throw. The big key for the Cleveland defense is going to key on Mike Williams because we saw last week he got shut down a little bit by the Raiders defense, um, and Keenan Allen didn't do a whole lot either. So um, if he, if you you can worry about blitzing or not blitzing, whatever way you choose, but you got to focus on on the the guys who are pass catching for the for the Chargers, uh, Justin. Herbert can have all the time or, or not enough time in the world to, to throw in the pocket, but if nobody's open, then it doesn't matter. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I think, I think the, the Chargers defense overpowers the other. So give me the, the Chargers to cover in this. 
All right. You're on the Chargers. Vito's on the Browns. I'm on the Chargers as well. All right. NFC East matchup. First time. Amazing it's not the Sunday night game. I think only because of how good the Sunday night matchup is this week. That's why we're not seeing Giants and Cowboys, which we always I feel like we see that every single year, at least once on Sunday night football. And um, America's game of the week. Yeah. Please. Uh, yeah. And it is America's game of the week, but I will not be watching uh, because the Cowboys are, I think, are just going to blow the doors off of the Giants. I mean, the Giants are a bad defensive football team. Their best player, Blake Martinez. Uh, he, or, yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. done, done for the year. Leonard Williams, after giving him that contract, he's not really done much. And I know he's not a sack guy. He's more of that run clogger in the middle. Um, he's banged even, up too. But he's a little banged up. And the Cowboys defense, I mean, Trevon Diggs, he's going to be matched up against one of those guys, you know, whether it's Kenny Galladay or Darius – or not Darius Slayton or Sterling Shepard or Kadarius Toney. Um, the only hope for the Giants is Saquon goes off. But even still, you got Zeke right on the other side. Uh, I, Dallas right now is a seven-point favorite. I'm taking the Cowboys. Where are you guys at? I'm taking the Cowboys. That offense is too high-powered, and and I think uh, I could see a turnover for sure happening um, on the Giants side. I just I, I don't yeah. believe in Daniel Jones. I'm, I'm going Dallas. Yeah, it's I, no matter what analysis I could throw out there, it's 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 not going to end up well for New York. So give me Dallas. I like the idea, and and you tell me Tony Pollard in my flex spot. He might run yeah. rampant a little bit over. Well, the and especially yeah. with with how well you know Zeke's been playing, I think teams are are going to try to defend him more. And and Tony Pollard after a really hot start, you know, didn't get a ton of touches against Philly. Uh, didn't get a ton of touches last week either. Um, and yeah, I love the, the Danny Dimes point because, you know, Daniel Jones, he's not having two good weeks in a row. He's just, he's not, man. Like everyone was like, oh, you know, all Giants fans I see on Twitter, he's, look how good he was in this game against New Orleans. He was great. I don't, one game, there have been a million quarterbacks that have looked good in one game, you know, let's see them do it two games in a row, three games in a row. And you're going to be on a national, national game here, uh, game of the week, and you're in Dallas which has become a very tough place to play. Yeah, this is Cowboys all day. All right, NFC West, your boys, Scotty, the Niners taking on the Cardinals, undefeated Cardinals. I believe the lone undefeated team, me and the Cardinals that share that. My fantasy yeah. team, 4 only one left, no big deal. Um, I know you don't care. Hmm. And the Cardinals, undefeated, 4-0. Uh, this one is in Arizona. As we've said before, the Car- tough place to play, I mean. The, Car- the Cardinals play up and down to their competition. They had a big game last week against the Rams, and they absolutely manhandled them. Uh, right now, what is the status of Jimmy G as we stand? Do you know, Scotty? Uh, yeah, he's practiced today. Um, they're going to try to play him uh, as far as I've seen, uh, but I don't know. Uh, the The one you should be worried about is the status of George Kittle uh, because that's a guy who – I think can do some real damage this week. Um, look, uh, they've Arizona's defended pass catchers, particularly guys in the in the second level and tight ends that go over the middle. That linebacking core is really really good in Arizona. Um, San Francisco also has some offensive line problems. Trent Williams came out of the game with a shoulder, uh, and he's expected to play on Sunday. But uh, going against that tough. Uh, tough edge rushers of the, uh, of the Arizona Cardinals is going to be a problem. Um, especially at Trent Williams age. No, I mean, he's, he's one of the best to do it, but still, uh, I think a lot of the, 
the uh, scheme, the offensive schemes that Arizona drew up against the Rams defense, which is arguably one of the best in the NFL, uh, are are enough to beat uh, beat the Niners at home. Uh, so I'm going to take the Cardinals on the uh, on the point spread. Right now they're a five point favorite. Yeah, that's yeah, I like that. Yeah, I'll take that and run. Sorry, Scotty. I think uh, no, no, it's Cardinals fine. Are, I, look, Cardinals are an elite team. <laughs> they are. They are elite, and this is a must-win game for the Niners. But I just five points is a lot to overcome. That's a tough place to play, especially yeah. with fans back in the stadium. And the Niners that, are in that a, is a tough place to play. The Niners are in a tough spot right now. The, the injuries. Uh, you know, I, I would expect George Kittle to to play. Um, because he's just he's perpetually questionable <laughs> and yet always plays and always seems to perform. But I'll say this, you know, and this is why I'm tempted to take San Francisco here. You're getting five points. So even a field goal loss, a tight game, it's divisional, right? I the Cardinals have a tendency to again play down to teams. And and I feel like look, they beat a team that everyone thought might be might have been one of the best teams in football last week in, in LA and they beat them soundly and they beat them in their home field but they played down to teams again they were down nine points with three minutes left in the third quarter to jacksonville just a week and a half ago they so, do but but they're at home and and look at which which i get the, as I, banged up as the niners secondary is like how many weapons they have to go deep with aj green and, and deandre hopkins i think this is probably a big breakout game for him too you know what i just convinced myself i'm taking the niners i'd written down arizona i love you um I think I think the, it's five points. I think this is one of those games where you go, how the hell is Arizona, you know, blowing this game? You know, they almost lost to, what was it, Minnesota earlier in the year? I mean, there, there's a couple of games here for, for Arizona where you go, how the hell that happened? I'm going with the Niners. Um, it's, it's the Cliff Kingsbury trade. But I think the Cardinals do win. I do. I just think it's going to be on a field goal at the end. All right, two games left. Sunday night football. This is the best matchup we've had all year. Buffalo. In Kansas City, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, rematch of the AFC Championship game from a year ago. This is a big game. This matters for seedings. This is one of those we're going to look back. And the Chiefs, you know, they looked the offense looked awesome against Philly last week. The defense didn't look great against Philly last week. I think Buffalo, I think they got something special cooking, man. And I think not only does Buffalo win this game, I think they win pretty big. I think they win wow. by like 10 points. I think this is like the wow. first. I think this is the dud. This is the, the Ole Miss Alabama equivalent, right? This is the, oh, everyone's excited for it. And it's just a, that Chiefs defense is tissue paper. And they're going up against the only offense in the NFL that I think rivals theirs. And Buffalo's defense has played pretty good. I, I you know, and, really you good. Just, and you have Tredavious White on the outside. You have guys who are legit players. Matt Milano. I think Buffalo wins this game. I think they win it by, by at least the touchdown. I'm thinking more like double digits. Wow. I think they win, but what's the spread at? So right now, Kansas City is a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. This Man, just that's... doesn't feel like a pick to me. And I get Kansas City gets the respect because of Patrick Mahomes, and you have to give it to them because they're never going to be out of games. But this Kansas City team is not the Kansas City team of years past. That defense is bad. And Frank Clark is still out, their best pass rusher. I think Josh Allen is going to rip them to shreds. Man, 
I, I agree. I think the Bills win. I, I just I it's hard to pick against Mahomes, man. I, no, I'm going with the Bills to cover, or to, and I guess to get two and a half. So yeah, I'm going with the Bills. I wouldn't be surprised if they lose by one, though. I love oh, yeah. the way the Bills are playing. I really, really do. Um, and their defense has stepped up a little bit uh, against against Philadelphia. <laughs> I mean, and even though some of those were late, you know, like garbage time touchdowns that. But the Eagles were just, able to move they just the ball. Blew coverage I mean, and, the yeah, Eagles and, were within the ten yard line five different times in that game. Yeah. Um, like, they were, I, I just two and a half at home seems to me, you know, give me the chiefs. I'm sorry. I, I want to pick the bills so bad, but I've, I've gone against Patrick Mahomes twice now in, in fantasy drafts and it has burned me. And I, I just can't, I can't pick against Patrick Mahomes. I can't do yeah. it. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I did the, the same chiefs. thing. I did the same thing in the super bowl and, and, was very, very wrong. And just um, to solidify that on the number side, they have both 33.5 points per game tied for a second in the NFL. Bill's defense is number one right now in points, and the Chiefs are second last. Yeah. But you always take the quarterback in those picking games. So who are you taking, Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes? I'm taking Josh Allen. Over Mahomes. Wow. Bold I'm, I'm taking the Bills because team. he's playing that defense. Yeah. But, <laughs> I think, but I, I think it's I because would, of the matchup. If you're starting a franchise with either one of them, I'm still taking Mahomes. Right. Yeah. Without well, no, a doubt. But in this like, game, like it also, it's the quarterback going up against that defense. Yes. That's why I'm taking it. Yeah. If you swapped quarterbacks, you would still pick Buffalo. Yeah. Exactly. I think, do you think, though, the, the, the Bills running game got going a little bit last week. Now, granted, it was against Houston, but that was the first like explosive running game that I've seen from Buffalo in a long time. Thurman Thomas, by the way. They're not gonna uh, but they're that, not gonna need to run the football. I mean, they they'll do it to keep no. the defense honest, but they're not gonna need them to, you know, to run the no. football. They're, I just think it's all right. Last game, Monday night football, Colts, Ravens. Right now, the Colts uh are a seven-point underdog at home. This game <laughs> just I don't think this is going to be a fun game to watch. I, I mean, no. not even like Carson Wentz and everything aside, like there's just not a whole lot of that game. Thursday night kickoff. Thursday night is about to kick off right now. I love, I just saw, I love it, Seattle wearing the color rush highlights, I know. baby. Let's go. I love uh real quick. I did just see a stat. Do you know, Russell Wilson is nine and one on Thursday night football. I didn't. Oh, why did yeah. I take the Rams? I know me too, but we I mean, all picked I, the Rams. And I'm still sticking <laughs> with the Rams. Oh, well, the Rams just fumbled on the uh, return, uh, and it went out of bounds, luckily. That was one of the worst returns I've ever seen. He wasn't even uh, touched. All right, well, let's work through this Monday night <laughs> game quickly because, again, I don't think there's much to talk about. Um, no. Colts, I don't think, are a good team. Uh, I think they beat a bad Miami team last week, and Carson Wentz has looked very mediocre, and um, the defense is not great. And I can't believe the Ravens after um, – you know, how ugly they've looked almost losing to Detroit and everything it might is probably going to end up being four and four and one. Um, but I think that's, what's going to happen. And uh, right now, Baltimore is a seven point favorite. It's a lot of points, but I, uh, I just don't have faith in this Colts team Though we haven't had a good Monday night football game in a few weeks. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening there, but I, I think the Ravens end up covering the seven. What do you guys say? I do too. It sucks because this matchup used to be, elite when we were growing up when you think about Colts and, yeah, and Ravens and yeah. Peyton and just yeah the Baltimore Colts Ravens, moving yeah moving all yeah. of that How, we're yeah. gonna see 
so many videos and shit about that. I just could not yeah. care less. I, I care, but the thing is, is that it was it, they're going to play it up way too much because of the fact there's nothing else going on in this game and that the Baltimore Ravens are going to run all over that defense. Ravens are hot. The only person doing anything in the in the Indianapolis offense has been Jonathan Taylor, and, and even that uh, was just an explosion last week. So give me the Baltimore Ravens reluctantly. All right, we're all on the Ravens. We'll see how we do. We're going to take a quick break, come back. We're going to quickly pick our college football stuff. I want y'all's thoughts on the massive Penn State-Iowa game this weekend. And, uh, and then, you know, I'm going, to, I'm going to save our life talk for, for next week, um, just in the sake, for the sake of time, and, uh, and we'll go from there. So we'll be right back in a sec. College football, week six already. I don't like how quickly we're moving through. In a Not lot of all. ways, it's kind of the halfway point, 12-game no. season. Now, the postseason, everything else extends it, but in the last couple of weeks in college football, I always spread out a little bit, but I don't like how quickly we moved. I will say I've had, I would say, seven out of the last eight weekends going back to my sister's wedding, uh, which was in the beginning of August, I have had something on a weekend. Like, And, and one of them was like going to Scott's to watch football all weekend, which was awesome. Um, yeah, it was. But, like, I haven't had a weekend at home not leaving the couch and just, like, setting up and relaxing in, in basically, like, two months. So I am very excited to sit my ass on the couch on Saturday and watch all the college football. And then it is Friday it. night, too. We got to go Friday night. And then Sunday, all day on, on Sunday. I'm super excited. Um, so let's run through some of these games. I got six games for you guys. Initially, I had five, and I forgot one of the biggest matchups. So we got six games. Um, first up, Friday night, Stanford Cardinals coming off of a big win over Oregon. They are a, a very well-coached team in David Shaw. Their quarterback, Tanner McKee, uh, talking about future NFL prospects, is probably as, as ranked as high as any as we currently stand uh, when it comes well, to we to also the said that about – we said that about Davis Mills too, man. He had well, four interceptions. he also yeah. left a year early. Uh, and Tanner McKee, once they made that full time switch after week one, um, and when they got blown out by Kansas State, Stanford's three and one. They've been a really good football team, and they beat Oregon ugly, but they beat them. They're looking to make back to back upsets because right now the Pac-12 South has one hope left. The Pac-12 South has Arizona State. The Pac-12 North still has some hope for Oregon. But both Oregon and Arizona State have to win out, and they both need each other to win out. So that way, when they play in the Pac-12 championship, you know they'll actually have a chance to get a team in the college football playoff. I don't see that happening for either team. But does it come this weekend? Stanford going to Arizona State uh, right now. Arizona State is a 13-point favorite, which seems very Ooh. high to me. But I love Herm Edwards. We had him on our radio show this week. Uh, love Jaden Daniels. I've been a Jaden Daniels fan. If, if he could add. 20 pounds and that dude is a bean pole i think he i think he weighed in at 175 his his freshman year was the starting quarterback um he's been playing since he was a true freshman but i love the kid he looked awesome last week uh when they uh beat they upset technically ucla so how are you guys feeling right now 13 points is a lot that's a ton man but i also think that stanford um they play oregon tough i i like this matchup for arizona state um, I, I really, really love what Hearn's building there, what he has built. Um, and, and I don't know, I think, 
I think when you, when you look at these teams, it's funny because we've been around now and we we've saw like, you know, Stanford go through these phases with luck and it's just been so era. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, but you forget how consistent they are. I, I, it's hard for me to think that they're going to, you know, get blown out and lose by 13. Man, but I'm 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 going Arizona State. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I a little personal stake in this one. My sister went there, so forks up. But um, <clears throat> um, look, Stanford. I think laid it all out there on the field, all out there on the field when they played Oregon. I mean, literally all of it. There were they, they and in that game too, they lost their tight their biggest pass catching uh, threat in their tight end. Um, forget his name and I'm going to butcher it if I try. Um, so uh, I'll have to look it up later, but they did lose him in the, uh, I think it was in the first or second quarter. Um, Arizona state is just kind of usually we're used to like some explosive offense out of them, whether it's a big receiver like Nikhil Harry or, or Brandon Ayuk or, uh, or, uh, you know, a quarterback that that's really slinging it. But like, I, what they're building is a really balanced offense. And that's, that's par for the course for Herm Edwards. Um, I really love what he's building on both sides of the ball. So I'm going to go devils forks up. I, uh, I really like um, Arizona state and I think Arizona state wins the game, but I think it's going to be a a tighter game than people think. Um, Both teams are coming off of an emotional win. Both teams are coming off of an upset. And Arizona State, Jaden Daniels, I believe in him. That's why I'm picking them to win the game. But I also believe in Tanner McKee, and I believe in David Shaw, and I think this is going to be a tight one. I, I do think it yeah. comes down. And uh, right now, I like Stanford to cover the 13 points. All right, Big the Ten. Only, the only caution I would give you is if um, is Arizona State looking ahead ne- to the next week against Utah. That would be really be for the division in the Pac-12 South. But that's it. Yeah, I mean, Utah is going through a ton right now. One of their players, second player in the last six Ooh, months yeah. uh, to, to be killed. Um, not to be overly heavy here, but that's an emotional toll on a team. Their starting quarterback enters the transfer portal three games in. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see Utah as much of a threat for the rest of this year. Uh, one of the teams I was definitely wrong about, but um, Charlie Brewer wasn't the guy. And, and then again, everything they're going through right now out in, uh, in Utah is, is tough. Uh, but you know what? It's, it's an interesting point nonetheless, Scotty, because record wise, that is a, that is a big win that, and they need that for the, for the PAC 12. So, all right, big 12, or sorry, big 10 matchup in Piscataway, New Jersey, the Spartans, Sparty going to Rutgers. Uh, right now, Michigan state's only a five and a half point favorite. What? I think, I think that's a testament to what Greg Chiano's done, but also it, it's, you know, it, it has a lot to do with Michigan State. You know, Michigan State has looked good this year. Um, you know, they have a Heisman candidate in their running back who who's, was leading the nation in running. Um, I got to pull up his name here real quick. Uh, K- uh, Kenneth Walker III, um, yeah. who's got 680 yards and eight touchdowns on 100 carries so far this season. Uh, Michigan State, I love Mel Tucker. Classics party. I think Mel Tucker is, if I'm looking at replacing Nick Saban, in a couple of years, I think Mel Tucker is absolutely a guy coach for Saban um, and, and has created and what he's done in just a year and a half to take this program from what Mark D'Antonio had it to, to where it's at now is, is really impressive, especially considering he was a first time head coach throughout COVID. 
mm-hmm. uh, and now this team is undefeated, uh, sitting one behind your boys there out in uh, in the Big Ten East standings. But two and zero in conference play, five and zero overall. I think Michigan State does win the game. But I'll tell you this, I would not be surprised at all if Rutgers, after getting their doors blown off by Ohio State, comes back and and makes this a fight, makes this a close-fought game. And uh, a five-and-a-half does seem low, and that's why I'm taking Sparty because I think Sparty wins by a touchdown, but I think it's going to be a tight game. I agree with you. I'm taking Sparty. Uh, I was at the – I was at Piscataway last week, and let me tell you, I was not impressed with that defense or anything that was going on on the Rutgers side of the ball. Um, I do think it will be closer than what happened last week, but I think Sparty wins at least by seven, if not ten or more. Yeah, no, I look, you mentioned Kenneth Walker the third. They've got Peyton Thorne slinging the ball all over the place. They've got, um, what's the Jaden Reed, the wide receiver, who has over 500 yards or 450 yards already. Uh, that defense with Rutgers, it, it looked good in the preseason when they were playing some some not as strong teams as the Big Ten East will provide. So I, I love what Mel Tucker's building. I'm worried about that last game, frankly, because that's our last game. Penn State's last game is against Michigan State to end the year. So um, we'll see. But uh, give me Sparty in this game, too. All right. We're all on the Sparty train. Uh, a couple of teams that were in big time matchups last week and both underperformed, but look, you're going up against Georgia and Alabama respectively. That's a tough matchup. We have number 13, Arkansas going on the road to take on Ole Miss right now. Mrs. Uh, Ole Miss is a five and a half point favorite. The over under in this is 66 and a half. Uh, Woo! It's a big number. It's a yeah. big number. I don't believe in Arkansas's offense enough. to to see them hitting that. So maybe think about sprinkling a little bit there, but Arkansas, you know, their defense, their offensive line has been a little banged up their D line. I mean, they got bullied in that game. So this is a big bounce back game for, for both teams. But I, I, when it comes down to it in a, in a game that I think both teams are relatively even evenly matched, you go to the quarterback position, you know, Vito, you talk about this all the time. And Matt Corral, I think, is a top 10 draft pick in the NFL. I think he there's a very good chance he ends up as the number one quarterback taken. So I'm taking Ole Miss and the Rebels to beat Arkansas and to cover the five and a half. I think I think Ole Miss has a bounce back game. Everyone thinks of them as a throwing team. They love to run the ball. And I think Arkansas proved in that game against Georgia that you can beat them on the run. You know, you can beat them on the ground. And then to have a weapon like Matt Corral back there, you know, throwing the ball around, I – uh I like Ole Miss here to win and to cover the five and a half. You know, I'm going Arkansas and I don't know why. <laughs> so I, I have no analysis. I have nothing. I think I just still have a soft place in my heart after seeing what they did in Jerry's world. And um, I, I think that after you get embarrassed, like they did, you have to come back and you have an opportunity to, which is usually you got to wait for these. They don't come around all the time, but to have an old mismatch up right here, right after, I, I think they got to take advantage of it. So I, I think they they cover. I don't know if they win, but I think they cover. You know what, Vito? I'm with you. Because that offense did not look stellar for Ole Miss without Jonathan Mingo as part of it. And Mingo's out for a couple more weeks with a broken – I think it's a broken foot, right? Um, or broken ankle, one of the two. Um, so he, he will not be playing again. Arkansas only, and this sounds silly, but Arkansas only held Georgia to 34 points, 37 points, something like that. So that defense is good. 
that defense is good. Matt Corral's a great quarterback, but without your star offensive weapon, I don't think that uh, that the five and a half hits. So give me Arkansas, please. Woo pig suey. Yeah, and one of those Georgia touchdowns came on a on a blocked punt too. So really, they only gave up thirty to the offense. Um, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. Um, speaking of Georgia, they're going on the road this weekend, going down to War Eagle, Jordan Harris Stadium, Auburn, Alabama. Uh, we have the Bulldogs taking on the Tigers. This is an interesting matchup right now. Georgia is a 15 and a half point favorite. And that number seems really big, but after what Georgia did to Arkansas, you kind of have to respect them and give them that, you know, give them their due. I look at Auburn and Georgia in the sense of it's an afternoon game in Auburn. Uh, that stadium is a tough place to play in between the hedges. And I, I think based off of what we saw in the Auburn-Penn State game and based on the fact that I don't truly believe in Georgia's offense all the way, I think this game is going to be like a touchdown. Like, I think this could be the first time that Georgia gets tested. And Auburn still has. I know they're not the Auburn of pass. I know they're not, like, some dominant team. But they got NFL dudes on that defensive line. They got NFL dudes on that offensive line. The question is going to be is how does Bo Nix look against this Georgia defense? And if anything, I think what we saw from Arkansas is that the only way you're really going to be able to move the ball against Georgia is you have to have a running game. And between Tank Bigsby and uh, and the other running back there in, in Auburn, whose name always escapes my mind, we're talking about the best running back room in, in college football right now. So I think Auburn covers the spread, but I do think Georgia wins by a touchdown. It's Jarquez Hunter, by the way, the other Auburn running Hunter. back. Yep. No problem. Um, yeah, no, yeah, you nailed it, Jeff. I mean, that was the the strength of the Auburn uh, offensive attack when they did play Penn State, which I think is, um, and it, let me know if you agree, but I, I think Penn State is at least a top five, if not top ten defense in, yeah. uh, in the I think there's two a, ways. So I think there's a drop-off. We were talking about this before the show. I, I think yeah. all, Auburn, Alabama, or sorry, Georgia, oh, yeah. Alabama are top two defenses. Little drop off, then you hit Iowa, little drop off, and then you hit Penn State. Yeah, no, not discounting that. All I'm saying is that that run game is is the bread and butter of that offense, mm-hmm. and they're good. But when they go up against a, a top five defense, then that's where you run into problems. And Georgia is the best college football defense I have maybe ever seen in my life. Uh, so good luck <laughs> running the ball against them and then letting Bo Nick sling it a little bit. I don't think so. Um, I like the call that it's a road game and, and it could be a little, a uh, little bit of a test there. So, uh, you know what, give me the Tigers to cover. I'm taking Georgia to cover because Auburn ran the ball well against Penn state, and, but our defense is built for rushing and, and pass defense. Like we, we do have an okay rush defense, but it's not, you know, what, what we're the best at. And I think Georgia is the best at that. Their front seven and even eight, when they bring the safety up, like they are just so damn good. Yeah. I, until they don't cover, I'm going to keep betting on them to cover. So give me them, give me the Georgia. Yeah. And, and, and I'll, I think 15 is half huge. I think they got it. What you're saying is you care about me. <laughs> care about both of us. Because you're right. I mean, because until we don't see it, you have to give Georgia the benefit of the doubt. I just, I think Auburn's defense is, is, competitive 
And I just don't fully believe in, in, in the Georgia offense yet. I mean, I don't think Stetson Bennett is a guy who you can win a national championship with. I think JT Daniels might be a guy that you can, but JT Daniels still isn't throwing the ball full speed at practice. So we're going to see another Stetson Bennett performance this week. And, and again, Georgia wins the game. They could win it by 10, right? It could be a double digit yeah. win. They're going by 13, but I, I just think Auburn at least hangs in there. And, uh, and the more I talk about it, the more I feel stupid for picking Auburn. But I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to stick with it. War, War Eagle. Uh, two games left, and we'll wrap up the pod. Red River Rivalry. Red River Rivalry. Ah, uh, you too. <laughs> oh, goddamn hard to say. I said it on air on the radio show Red, per- perfectly <laughs> this week, and I was so proud of myself because I think it might have been the first time I've ever said Red River Rivalry correct on the first time. Um, but we have Oklahoma, number six, Texas playing in the cotton bowl, no real home team here. You know, we're going to see 50, 50 between Texas and Oklahoma fans filling up that stadium. Uh, one of the coolest rivalries in football. And right now, uh, OU is only a three point favorite. And I think that line is dead on, uh, since they made the switch to Casey Thompson, at quarterback, Texas has been really good offensively. Sark has that team humming and Oklahoma has been in tight game after tight game. Every single game this year for Oklahoma, with the exception of one, has been a tight ball game, including last week against TCU. I like Texas to win this game because I don't I, – I've said it before. I believe in Steve Sarkeesian, and I do not believe in Spencer Rattler, and I think Texas makes a statement this week. I like the Longhorns. Wow. Um, I'm going with OU. I, I think that – what you also have to look at is, is not only have they played all those close games that they've won. And I think that gives them the experience. I think Texas is still just too fluid of a program. They're, they're not back yet. So I'm going with, uh, I'm going to go with OU. OU to cover three points three. too. That's yeah. That's not many. So that's why yeah. I feel comfortable having them cover. Yeah. I hate picking this game because every year it, there's like one play it comes down to, and it's usually late in the fourth quarter uh, recently. Uh, so, I don't know. Sark has that offense humming, but their schedule, I, I have a tough time thinking that they're not looking ahead past Oklahoma because uh, they got Oklahoma State at Baylor at Iowa State right after that uh, in, in succession. So, um, yeah, this is the biggest game on your schedule this week. You want to go 1-0, all that BS rhetoric. Um, neutral Uh-oh, we lost we lost Scotty. Uh-oh. Oh, oh no, right before we're about to get to the Penn State. I I'm gonna let him once we get Scotty back up, I'm gonna let him uh fill us back in here as to where he's at. Um so right now you and Scotty are, are pretty much on par with all your college football picks. I'm the one who's straying a little bit. Um <laughs> and let's get to it, man. Let's let's get to the game of the week, a top yes. four matchup. Number four, Penn State, on the road, going to Kinnick Stadium in Iowa City to take on the Hawkeyes. Uh, Both teams coming off of dominant performances. Uh, Penn State looked really good last week against Indiana, 27 to nothing. And Iowa looked really good last Friday going up against Maryland, being them, boys at 52 to 14. Yeah, 51-14. Yeah, it was incredible. So so I'll let you guys go first. And again, once Scotty comes up, we'll get his take on this. As a Penn State fan, in recent memory, when was the last time a game felt as big as this game for you? 
I was just going to say, I don't know a game where like we had a top five matchup where Ohio state wasn't involved ever. The last time I want to say it's been 14 years. I might be, it might even be longer than that. Um, since there was a, a top five matchup between Big Ten teams that didn't involve Ohio State or Michigan. Yeah, because the the number the, the thing I think of, which is crazy related to, which is a different tier, was when Ohio State played Michigan, and it was one versus two, and it was the whole conversation, should Michigan go to the national championship against Ohio State, you know, e- even though they lost to them, but it was clearly they were the one and two teams, and then some SEC team went and kicked Ohio State's ass. So, like – I remember that all happening, but for Penn State and Iowa, this is huge. We've had a lot of great matchups over the last 15 years. Um, and I just, I think that I, I haven't been this scared for a matchup because I think either one, whoever pulls this off is just in the driver's seat for, you know, going, going off. And it's, I think even more so important to us because Penn State's in the East even if Iowa loses, there's a good chance they make it to uh, to the Big Ten championship. I think whoever on the Big Ten East loses is basically yeah. out. We have just too many good teams. So yeah, that's what I'm I'm nervous about. Um, but yeah, it's been so long, and, and we got Scotty back now. Scotty, like, when was the last time we've had this big of a game, especially this early in the season? Like, it's week six. It's not like at the end. You know, we usually play Ohio State. Yeah, sometimes it's usually in, in October, early November. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, this, when, when was the different. last big game? Right? Was it was it the? Uh, it was 20, 2018 Ohio State. Yeah, 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 yeah. That that was, um, and that was the wait. Well, it, it was the year you guys I'm didn't sorry. get. You guys won the Big Ten, but no, that was twenty sixteen. Yeah, that well, was we were the last we were unranked year. that year, and, yeah, and we beat played. Ohio State. the The worst loss was when we. The next year in 2017, when we got up to number two and lost in Columbus. Yeah. Um, that was the dagger that year. So it's been a while. It's been a while since Penn State has had a game of this kind of magnitude. Especially, know? yeah, especially on the road. Particularly. And especially being, I think we're, we're number four, they're number three. It doesn't really matter when you're at that level. Like, no. it's just two top, top tier teams. And uh, I, I think that. Penn State goes in here. Our defense and their defense are, are going to be the spotlights. I think Sean Clifford has played extremely well in the last 10 games. We've won our last 10 games, and he's stopped turning the ball over. It's similar to what we talk about with the Broncos all the time with Bridgewater. Just don't turn it over. Don't be the hero, Don't but, like, don't turn it over. The defense is good enough. I was in the same spot, though. So I think it's actually going to be Sean Clifford who's going to have to make a couple plays to win this game with his legs, uh, getting first downs. Iowa plays the sit back and like keep everything in front of them defense, right? Penn State's more multiple. We'll show you every look in, in the book. Um, we change things up. We disguise. Iowa is like that team just says, hey, every eye, we're playing zone. Everyone's looking forward. We're just going to suffocate your offense. Um, I think we're going to have to push them over the top. We're going to have to hit some deep balls, but I do think it's Sean Clifford and he's going to get hit if he runs. He will get hit hard and he needs to be able to take it and be uh, you know, um, a college football playoff quarterback. If that's what he wants to do, he has to win this game with his arm and his legs. And uh, I think, I think we do it. I, I'm, I'm very confident in this offense being able to do just enough because the defense is lights out. 
So Iowa State is a one and a half point favorite right now. So this is the definition well, of a pick of a pick'em. Good yeah, thing Iowa. we're playing Iowa. <laughs> um, all right. So Vito, you're taking Penn State. Yep. I figured as much. Scotty. Vito absolutely nailed it. Um, this this secondary is good. They're gonna test Jahan Dotson. Um, I'm I'm curious what that means though for for our tight ends, what it means for our running game if they can get that going because I, I was a team that always puts together a good defensive line on. I know, but if and, we see more, I swear to God, if we see Noah Kane a bunch again with that and just not Kevontae Lee, I'm going to freak the fuck out. I, I'm just, right I, I've said this at the beginning of the year, pick a pre and I've said this for the last five years since Saquon and Miles Sanders, pick a premier back feature them because look, Kevon Lee had an unbelievable game. Like better, he looked way better at decision making than Noah Kane did, by far against um, uh, against Indiana. So pick a premier back that you're going to feature, and then utilize the other guys the, the way that you know you can utilize them. I expect a big play calling game from Yersich. This is a huge game for him on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously, we need to keep doing what we're doing. Sean Clifford needs to. Uh, start running the ball a little bit more. And I think he's going to be forced to against this Iowa defense with a ton of the coverage. And again, I'm interested in what the, the secondary coverage for Iowa, which has been elite all year means for guys like Parker Washington uh, to get involved in the offense um, because Jahan Dotson is going to be the guy that's keyed on. So uh, we'll see. I, I, I like, I like the idea that we'll, we'll have just enough. And I think Gersich is going to draw up, uh, he's gonna have to draw up a great plate, man. I, I'm telling you, one of the my my all time goal, uh, one of the one of the big games I I want to go to on the road if I ever go to a road Penn State game is Kinnick. So, um, that atmosphere is gonna be legit. Three four matchup, Penn State my or plus one and a half. Give me Penn State. I'm not surprised the two of you take Penn State, and I'm I I'll, I'll I will share my thoughts here as we wrap up the pod. This game, I expect to be really entertaining. I expect it to be as entertaining as the Auburn game. But I'm leaning towards Iowa. And the thing is, this Iowa defense, for as good as Penn State has been, and they, like, I, like you said, Vito, they show different types of looks. I think they're a better pass. I think Penn State's a better pass rushing team when it comes to just pure pass rush. I think they have more and talent Bikini. on the edges. Kirk Ferentz is one of the most well-respected uh, and, and frankly, just the, one of the best college football coaches there are. Um, where I get caught up with this game is that if Iowa gets down, how do they come back? Do you, like, how, do you trust Spencer Petrus to, to throw the ball when he needs to? Um, Tyler Goodson has been – one of the top five, top 10 running backs in football for Iowa this year. Uh, their leading receiver is a tight end, right? This is an offense that seems like it's relatively easy to slow down. Iowa tight ends, what? But they put up 52 on Maryland last week easily. And obviously Penn State is a better team than Maryland. But I saw something last week in them that I didn't think that they had. 
which is the ability to dominate a game offensively. But the only reason they're able to do that is because of the way that this team forces turnovers. They have 12 interceptions through five games in addition to three fumbles. They have 15 takeaways through five games. They're averaging three turnovers a game defensively, which is absurd. They had four in the first half against Maryland alone. And Sean Clifford, who I like and has been really good not turning the ball over this year, you said it, Vito. In order for Penn State to win, he has to make plays. And so this game entirely comes down to, is he going to protect the ball and also make plays? Or is he going to be so aggressive because he knows he has to make those plays that we see more of 2020 Sean Clifford than what we've seen so far? And unfortunately, I think we're going to see more of 2020 than we do in 2021. Don't you you do that. And I think Iowa's defense is a better defense. I think that secondary is ridiculously good. But if Jahan Dotson breaks off a couple like he did against Wisconsin, uh, you know, they're going to be right in it. And it only takes one big play, but he has to take care of the ball. He has to play that game like they played against Wisconsin. And no matter what, it's going to be tight. But I think Iowa wins this game. And so I'm taking Iowa with the one and a half. But every time I've picked against Penn State this year, in all of our picks, I've been wrong. Well, yeah, so, we're four, five and zero. Oh, so, well, no, because I even you know, spreads. I, the spreads. Yeah. It's not about oh, yeah, win right. loss record, okay? <laughs> but in this case, to give you guys hope, I might just be totally wrong. But I think Iowa wins the football game. I actually like that you picked Iowa. That makes me feel better. And I didn't do the, you know, the rolling, you know, Penn State's coming in. Yeah, I didn't. Right, do the whole yeah, thing. is what I would have said. No, I swear yeah. to you guys. <laughs> All right, great pod. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. We'll, we'll record Monday. You'll get us on Tuesday. Um, thank you, everybody, for, for listening, watching, responding. I'm watching. We're not doing anything. Um, I just want to thank again, everybody, for uh, for coming out and, and supporting us. The pod's been uh, doing really, really well. And, um, you know, share it. Tell one. I said up before. Find one person in your life who hasn't listened to the pod before uh, and, and tell them about it. Because if you're getting something out of it, maybe other people will, too. And, and again, we just appreciate all the support that uh, we can get. So, boys, love you both. Thank you so much for, uh, for being here. So, for Scotty, for Vito, I'm Jeff. Have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy all the football. Go Penn State. We Take are. the win. Prove me wrong. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next week. Take it easy, everybody. <laughs>